quiet your mind. Ever since the Earth has circled the sun, there have been fantastic tales of wonder and mystery that the faint of heart dare not discuss. But three brave, uninformed souls have the brass to tackle every extraordinary happenstance from the modern age to the dawn of Mantis. Welcome to Dawn of Mantis. True crime, mysteries, and more. I'm Ivan, Joe, Sam. How are you guys? Good. Wonderful. Oh, right. So tonight, we have a really awesome one. Uh, I wasn't here for this, but you guys did a great interview, I'm hearing. Yeah, we talked to the one and only uh, bass player extraordinaire, Bruce Bennett. Yeah. And uh, wow, is that guy just a wealth of knowledge and and colorful one-liners. And yeah. uh, it was a blast, Sam. Yep. Sure yes. was. Yeah, I hated to miss it, but all of a sudden, just like everyone else is going to. So uh, this is going to be a good one. Oh, you'll love it. I mean, he's got, he. Uh, as you will hear when you listen, uh, he was in radio. Guy has a great, great voice for podcasts. It's finally, we got a good podcast voice standing know, right? here for once. <laughs> no, this is, the, I, yeah, I can't wait for this one. Yeah, so everybody, uh, sit back and enjoy the buttery smooth tones of Bruce Bennett. Quiet your mind. Today, today you find yourselves equals, for you are all equally blessed. For I have the pride, the privilege, nay, the pleasure of introducing to you a bassist sired by bassists. A bassist who can trace his lineage back beyond Geddy Lee. I first met him atop a stage near Jerusalem, praying to God, asking his forgiveness for the Saracen blood spilt by his five-string axe. Next, he amazed me still further in Italy, when he saved a fatherless beauty from the would-be ravishing of her dreadful Turkish uncle. In Greece, he spent a year in silence, just to better understand the sound of a low B note. And so, without further gilding the lily, and with no more ado, I give to you the hockey jersey-wearing, styling and profiling, bass-playing extraordinaire, and the man who coined Sam's nickname, Magic Sam, Mr. Bruce Bennett. So yes, Bruce Bennett, it's awesome to have you in studio. Oh, this is all my pleasure. Yes, I did give Magic Sam that name. I, you know, I'm glad. I'm glad it stuck. But <laughs> it but, stuck more than I wanted it to. Uh oh, uh oh. Because yeah, I mean, at the, at everybody the end of the day, called me that now, and and truer words never spoken. <laughs> exactly. I, I single handedly uh, witnessed. That's not a term. Uh, Sam save a show. We went to see Shenandoah. We talked about this on oh the Yeah, they had a an issue. Of course, they had their own sound guy in tow, mm-hmm. and they had a major issue, and there was not going to be a show. Uh, Sam was not there for sound. He was there to run lights, but he went up there, and like I said, he sprinkled a little magic Sam dust on it. It was fixed. They literally told him, hey, thanks. We, we, we wouldn't have had a show had you wow. not fixed. So that's why you got the term wow. magic Sam, my friend. Well, it, yeah, I mean, I think the name was probably there before that show, but... It was, yeah. Because, yeah. It's I, been there for a few years now. Well, it came from our first meeting at that, <laughs> at that stage in Jerusalem. <laughs> yes. Jerusalem, Asylum, yeah, close yeah. somewhere. Jerusalem. Jerusalem. There you go. <laughs> Jerusalem. 
So yeah, Bruce, uh, you know, like we were telling before we started rolling, when we have a guest, it's like Saturday Night Live. Like you're the host, really. Uh, Sam and I are just here to kind of facilitate whatever you want to talk about or wherever you want to go. I know you have a ton of stories and you have done way more. Um, I was unfamiliar with everything except for your musical career, but apparently there's a lot more than that as well. Yeah. And we can just talk about whatever you want. Oh my, oh my. <laughs> I mean, I will, I will need you two to gild the lily, so to speak, and yeah. prompt with a question here and there when the conversation lulls, but I'm pretty good extemporaneously, so it may not lull for a couple hours or three. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, because I like the sound of my own voice, Yeah, you know, um, <laughs> I'm like Nugent with less caffeine and you know, <laughs> and right wing politics. But <laughs> well, you originated from Indiana, right? South Bend, Indiana, born under the shadow of the Golden Dome at Notre Dame, and true, that's cool, where story. that's where all the uh, the love for the hockey jersey comes from as yes, well. That's where my hockey. Yeah, when I was eight years old, my father was a banker in South Bend, and for some reason, they were uh, wanting to publicize a fledgling hockey team at Notre Dame and so we got season tickets oh, okay. when I was about eight years old and when I saw you know hockey game I thought that is something I kind of wanted to do I played one year of college football and two years of college hockey oh wow okay. but you know small small time stuff yeah. but still you know was able to do it I was able to outlive my usefulness let's put it that way so <laughs> But, you know, a, well, there's a good story as far as what my, my, my college hockey career was like. It was kind of, well, it was like, oh, the Hanson brothers without, you know, near as much blood <laughs> and, and, and no Tyco toy tracks. So, but yes, I'm from South Bend, Indiana. And I, yeah, my, um, there were two things that came out of that whole experience with the season hockey tickets was, you know, the love for hockey. And when the teams would warm up and Back then at Notre Dame, they would play the Four Tops Greatest Hits. Oh, and you know, I wasn't, I wasn't exactly sure what I was listening to. I just know it made me feel prickly in my nether regions. <laughs> this is, you know, it was like, you know, and you, you, you go on later and realize it's Motown and yeah. it's James Jamerson and the whole funk machine stuff. But at the time, you're hearing, and I'm like, oh, okay, all right, you know, that's, you know, I wasn't sure what it was, but yeah. you know. Made me feel prickly in another region, but uh, yeah, that's kind of where both things started to a certain extent. Okay. I mean, but that's you know, I picked up the bass at thirteen. Now, why did I pick up the bass? Well, at first, my, you know, my first experience with rock was Rocket Man. Oh, when Elton, Elton John. John, yeah, you know, and I, you know, and I had glasses, so I thought, well, you know, huh. you know, but that time they didn't have electronic keyboards, and there was no way we were going to get a grand piano or an upright, much less into our house, and, you know, you couldn't get a synthesizer, an electric piano like that then. So that was out. Then a couple moves, and then everybody in my neighborhood was either getting guitars or drums. And I don't know if you saw enough I Love Lucy to where they get little Ricky a snare drum for his yes. Christmas. And it's like, dun, 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 to, you know, all day and all night sure. to where, you know, they're doing everything by a cadence around the house. Right. driving everyone nuts. <laughs> that was what my parents thought, you know, getting a drum kit would entail. So it was like... Well, so my dad bought me this $50 Tysco Del Rey guitar and plastic amp. And I, you know, and I bought a book, you know, learn how to play guitar. You know, this is a pick. Pick? What? You know, and I've got these sausage fingers. They've <laughs> never, never quite been able to ma manipulate a pick. So I was like, well, I guess all this stuff is out. And then one day a friend of mine was like, well, why don't you play bass? Because nobody, you know, there's no bass players here. None. I'm like, bass, what exactly is that? 
I was like, well, here's a few things that we, you know, listen to. When you, you know, you hear that four tops, but you know, that's a bass. See, oh, okay. I was gonna, I was gonna ask if the Motown influenced towards eventually, yes, okay. eventually. Actually, one of the first things I remember hearing that I, you know, really drew me to it was Atlanta Rhythm Section because they had released Champagne Jam and it has Dude. a bass solo in it. You know, <sighs> I still play it today. Just that he plays it with a Rickenbacker and a pick. So it sounds a little bit different with, you know, sausage fingers and a lake like <laughs> And, uh, but, you know, I can still play that thing, you know, for no, that was the first thing I actually learned. Wow. But then, you know, you look at the back of the album cover and, you know, the bass player's this big, huge, fat guy with frizzy hair and these horn room glasses. And I'm like, well, I didn't want to be him. <laughs> <laughs> but then you see something like, oh, I was, I don't know if it was like a Dick Clark show or, you know, Midnight Special. I mean, there was just so many cool shows back in the 70s and early 80s. Was that 80s. Burt Sugarman? Burt Sugarman's yeah, Midnight baby. Special. Yeah, baby. Don Kirshner's Rock Concert. Because <laughs> Don Kirshner's Rock Concert, you know, like the Midnight Special, you know, you had rock bands, but you also had other things too. But mm -hmm. Don Kirshner was all rock. You know, Don Kirshner was the AR radio compared to like more poppy Midnight Special. And you occasionally had things like Dick Clark's In Concert. Okay, yeah, yeah. But I remember seeing things like, you know, Triumph with, you know, they, their light show was just unreal. Yeah. And then I saw, you know, kiss and i'm like you know oh spitting blood and spitting fire uh, if that's on the bass player <laughs> resume then yeah i want to do that yep yeah and then i realized you know a couple of years later it's like there was more to the game and then you know i probably wasn't going to be able to get, get away with spitting blood or fire <laughs> but yeah that's kind of how it all started as far as playing bass was concerned you know and and it, you know it, it pissed off your parents which is why you <laughs> My dad never got it until, you know, I was in college and was making money, you know, he saw me make, you know, pay for a lot of things with it. He's like, oh, well, you know, if there's a financial thing behind it, then I guess it's kind of okay. Well, I know too, because we just, we talked for just a minute before we started rolling. Uh, first thing I said when I walked in was, my God, you've got like the greatest, the perfect voice for radio, for podcasts. <laughs> and so... You said at 13 is when... 14. 14. Um, my mother retired from the TV radio station that's on, that was on campus at Notre Dame. And, uh, you know, 14 or something like that, she comes home one day and says, you know, would you like to do a radio commercial? And let's just say that, you know, I was still a gelding at that point. My voice hadn't developed into this. Yeah. And um, I was supposed to did a radio commercial playing a kid who was trying to find his dad something for Father's Day. Oh, it wasn't like drink more Ovaltine? Or no, no, like no. Here's the Dakota ring, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to more Alice Cooper. That's what, that would have been, been me. Um, but, you know, I did this commercial and, you know, and it was like, oh, I was hooked at that point. I mean, I did, you know, spot weekend shows at okay. that station, you know, throughout high school. And then I spent a year of my college career in town and worked there then. And every... Every university I've been, I had a DJ job for a period of time. Okay, cool. In fact, you know, I worked at KFAY way back in the day when it was like AM country station. And I knew two countries. I had I'd heard two country songs by the time I moved here, which, yeah, I'm sure. Which is crazy to think yeah, now. Now, yes. I knew Elvira and On the Road Again. <laughs> and I remember I did my first shift and, you know, and the program director calls me in his office. Because I guess he's like, you're great. Your voice is fantastic. Your segues are great. All this stuff. He's like, but, you know, he had like this list of country names that I was just <laughs> totally butchering. You oh, know? yeah. It's like, you know, you don't pronounce Rodney Crowell's name Rodney Crowell. <laughs> 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 yeah. And yeah, because, you know, to my, you know, yeah, country friends out there, they're going to find that just unfathomable. Yeah. Sure. I'll be, <laughs> get a rope. New York City. Get a rope. <laughs> but yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, I was hooked at that point. I, I haven't done any DJing since ooh, 
oh boy, I worked at KFAY, K-E-S-E, when it was just off the square in Bentonville. Okay. Until it was in 1992. And, um, you know, I, I passed the bar exam and then went into work that next Monday morning. Wow. And the boss is like, congratulations, you're fired. <laughs> like, what? He's like, go print money. Get out of here. You know, I was, you know, it was good. I mean, he was doing me a favor at the time. I was like, well, I was hoping for an easier transition right. into this because I had no guarantees I was going to pass. <laughs> I was sure. hoping for something a little, you know, no, get your ass out of here. Yeah, that happened. I don't think I could do it now because, I mean, I'm looking at what you're doing and that's kind of what the boards look like now. Yeah. You know, and if you look Not at what so I was Not so much analog work, anymore. Oh, no. I mean, it's like, you know, you had to put a 45 sure. and cue it up and, you know, now it's just like, eh, you know. Or it's already pre-programmed for you. Oh yeah, I mean KFAY and KAC were kind of the, kind of like that. It was like okay. no choice over what to play. Sure, I would just record liners and right, insert. Right. You know, here's another one from. Yeah, yeah. You know, okay, here we go, and then click. You know, and just record that cart, and then I would just sit there and babysit the board for mm -hmm. four hours. You know, what do you think ever happened to? Because it seems like back in the '50s and maybe even early '60s. There was like an art form, like Wolfman Jack, where they, you know, they all had these rhymes, like the one stop cop, the blah, blah, blah. You know, I can't oh, yeah. even do it. There was almost an art form to it. And I know there still is, but what happened to that cool, I don't know, that, what is the, even this the jockey yeah. like, character almost? Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I couldn't tell you. I mean, it would probably replaced by either the shock jock. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Stern's still going, and, and everyone's yeah. everyone's trying to catch him at this point. After that, I mean, you know, that's without Stern, there's not your Bubba the Love Sponge and all those <laughs> other guys that you know that get syndicated. Unless you're John Williams, who just happens to be in the right place. I love John; happens to be in the right place at the right time. Did a little work with him a couple weeks ago. Well, when John moved here back, and you know, I was still in school, and that's probably around ninety ninety one. Back then, it was Jackson and Williams mm -hmm. at KKEG, you know, and they would hang out at Doc Murdoch's. Being, I think, probably single guys at that time. And I would hang out at Doc Murdoch's being a single guy at that time and just just get hammered and just ridicule them all <laughs> night long because I'm like, you guys suck. You know, I'm like, they imported you guys and you guys just, I, mean, I would just tell them how much they sucked. And, you know, of course, they just laughed at me because, <laughs> you know, now look at them. Now look at John, you know. Oh, yeah, I just love John. So, yeah, and, and by the way, for people, because uh, I love how you, you, you know, you just kind of glossed right over that bar exam comment. Oh, well. No, no, because it was just a, a, a part of the story. Uh, Bruce also, I mean, apart from, you know, dabbling in, in well, college let, sports. Let me stop radio. you before you get too far into this, because <laughs> it, it, it would take, I mean, let's just say I practiced law for 17 years. I no longer practice. Okay. And, yeah, there's there's reasons for that, and I'll be glad to, you know, with the copious amounts of alcohol, tell you the entire story. <laughs> Sam, go get a go yeah. get a keg. Go, go get some Maker's Mark. Yeah. But, uh, but yes, I did, and that, that, that's, its own, that's its own kettle of fish, and I, I, I freely talk about it within as much as I can. Let's put it that way. Right, you know? right. That was something I had wondered about, because doing, I won't even say what you particularly did, but doing that, I was wondering, and, you know, maybe asking Sam, like, what exactly would he even be able to talk about? And if, if it's nothing, then cool. There's a lot of other stuff to talk about. Oh. <laughs> we're totally good with that. We'll, we'll get to a few things that I can tell you about. Let's put it that okay, way. Okay, cool. Because there, there were some things I encountered along the way that, I mean, it doesn't take long. I did a lot of criminal law during that time, and that's the one, I mean, if there's one thing that can destroy any thought you might have had of human nature being sure. good, that'll do it. Oh, I okay? And then you throw in, you know, domestic law on top of that, and it's like, yeah, this'll do it. This, you know, I mean, there's, you know, you want to talk about, you know, we're all broken? Oh, you bet. It's just a matter of degree of, as to how broken. I mm -hmm. mean, oh, Yeah. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. So, yeah. Now, now I got to tell you. I, th- th- all right. Here's a good story for you, though, because uh, you know I was telling you earlier. You'd have told me in 1987 that I'd be playing with country bands in Arkansas. Right. I'd have told you you're completely out of your mind. All right. And here's another good one too, because you know I've got one piece of paper in my wall to tell me how smart I am from the University of Arkansas. And um, I think I was nine years old when this happened. What they would do is, with the Notre Dame football games, they would condense, they would take the footage from the football game and just remove everything between the plays and all the commercials to where you could watch the game in about an hour. Okay. And so most of the time I never watched it when it was actually happening, but I would watch it on Sunday mornings when it was condensed to about an hour. Okay. And, you know, one time I'm watching that, you know, and like most kids in South Bend, when you're young, you're cheering for the Irish, go Notre Dame. And my mom's like, you know, you seem to enjoy that Notre Dame football. I'm like, yeah. I was like, you want to go to Notre Dame someday? I'm like, yeah, I want to go to Notre Dame play football. See, I got my gold helmet. <laughs> okay, well, you know, there's other schools out there because my mother went to Arkansas State. And she's like, well, you know, what other schools? There's another school other than Notre Dame with a decent football team? Who would that be? She's like, you know, the University of Arkansas's football team is pretty good. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, then the next week, I turn on TV. There's a hog game on. And all you see are these yahoos wearing snouts in their noses and pigs on their heads going, woo, pig, suey. Yep. And what did I say? That is the last place on earth I'm going to be going to school. <laughs> and, and then? And, here, yeah, and then flash forward, here I am. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So you're like, okay, I'm seeing a lot of contradictions already because you were a rocker. But have ended up being a DJ uh, for for country music, and then playing country music, and then you did not want to end up here. You ended up here. What what is, what has happened? Oh, you missed you missed another part of the story. Too. <laughs> we were talking about this before we came in. Oh yes, uh, yeah, I was yeah pure rock and roll. But I you know got recruited in the middle of my days at Indiana University to play with a funk band. Oh, nice. Yes, I mean you know Prince time cameo oh, that sort of stuff. I love it. I love and, it. And. Um, it was through that band that um, there's a girl that, uh, oh, she's a backup singer for Billy Joel has been for 30 years. And her brother was in that band. And we actually would back, we backed her up a couple of times when she would come off the road and whatnot. And um, it was a good experience because, you know, she did a tour with Bob Seger and my seat for that show was like next to the monitor, man. Oh my God. You know, Don Brewer playing drums for him. Alto Reed was the sax player. Um, Rick Vito was the guitar player that went on to play with Fleetwood Mac after that. And, you know, and like everybody, you know, puts that song like Like a Rock. Right. You know, it's a truck commercial now. Right. Everybody dismisses Chevy. it. Chevy. Yeah. But if you listen to the slide solo in Like a Rock, mm-hmm. you know, the first time I heard it, I was like, oh, yeah. how do I get this hair to stop? Yep. <laughs> you know, it's like one of those, you know, just absolutely beautiful, you know, and I got to hear him do that, like, you know, as close as we are right wow, now. And I'm just that's like, awesome. Ooh, you know. <laughs> and then they had this one guy on stage who was, you know, had this salt and pepper curly fro and he wore this purple suit and hush puppies that just played rhythm guitar all night. I'm like, I'm asking her, I'm like, what's the purpose for the old man here? You know, it's like all he did was just a stroke rhythm all night, just kind of stand there. And she's like, well, his name's Fred Tackett and look at every album from like about 72 on, you're going to find his name in there. I'm like, okay. And I went, you know, went to the record store and I'm looking, oh, it's on this. He's on Sergeant, that Sergeant Pepper movie thing. He's all kind of just studio stuff. And then he took Little George's place and Little Feet not long oh, after that. Awesome. It's like, but it's like, you know, who's this old man, you know, wearing hush puppies, stroking rhythm guitar, you know? <laughs> but anyway, yes. Um, when I was in Indiana, I played, you know, I mean, yeah, I play, ended up playing with a funk band. For a period of time, I was the only white boy in that band. <laughs> and that's where I had to learn what chops I have with my thumb that, 
you know, I do that more than I should. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but one of the things we were talking about was, was that, in fact, my, <laughs> this is a good story too. My roommate for most of my years at IU, and is still a good friend of mine, if you ever are on NPR or MSNBC and you see a person of color named Eric Deggins, he's, he was my roommate in college. Okay. While we were roommates, he played with a band that got signed to Motown. Really? Yeah. And that was when I, you know, my, got to see a lot of the music business up close and personal. They recorded an album that ended up getting shelved and whatnot. I mean, you know, outhouse, penthouse, outhouse again, you know, in really short order. But I got to see it, you know, it was like, wow, how quick that could happen. Sure. And, but anyway, I, yeah, I was, for a period of time in that band, I was the only, only white guy. I mean, it switched up here and there as we, you know, switched out members and whatnot. But, you know, part of the reason for that was if you played, wanted to play in Louisville, Kentucky at those clubs, they wouldn't book an all-black band. This is 1985. Really? They wouldn't book an all-black band. You know, you better have at least one white boy in there. They were not going to book you. I mean, I, I was a token. Wow. In the 80s? In the 80s still. I mean, it may not be that way today, but, you know, we were talking about Exile a little bit ago. Those guys were from Louisville, and I, you know, I had that discussion with one of them about that, and they were like, you know, they remember it, you know, being that way as well, hmm. which is also why they were, you know, such a good R&B band before, you know, they started having all the country hits. Right. I mean, but, you know, yeah, they were like, yeah, it was, you know, still plenty of redneck in Louisville, Kentucky. I guess it just took uh, some places longer to catch up. <laughs> you know, I mean, you could, yeah, you could you could drive down, you know, Martin Luther King Boulevard and Cassius Clay Avenue or in Muhammad right. Ali Boulevard and still find plenty of racism. Wow. Yeah. Well, so speaking of exile, and I had to bring that up because okay. before we started recording, and this is just like, I don't think most people know this, but you were talking about all of the influences and the songs they'd written for everyone else. I had no clue. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If, if you have a chance to see them, whether you whether you know anything about them or not, because even if you don't, you're going to go in there and go, oh, I remember that. I remember that. Their first album is a lot of songs like that. And then they get in, you know, after doing an hour of that, it's like, all right, now we're going to do songs we wrote for other people. You know, and most of what you, J.P. Pennington wrote most of what you like about Alabama. That's wild. And then, you know, and they'll do those songs, you know, just like God in Alabama, I suppose, intended. Like, <laughs> oh, and uh, here's a couple the bass player wrote. Here's, you know, When She Cries for Restless Heart. And, you see, that is one of my favorite yeah, songs ever. And, um, that blew me away. And Beautiful Mess by Diamond, Diamond Rio. Rio and yeah. I was like, you know, and then it's like, all right, well, now we're going to do an acapella version of People Get Ready by Curtis Mayfield. And I'm just like, I... I I don't, you know, other than Rush, I don't know who's going to top this one. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm going to go see, you know, I'll, I'll go see Kiss to watch him blow stuff up. I'm going to go watch Rush Forgetti, but uh, that's just pure musicianship. I it's mean, really cool. It's really cool when you when you go, uh, who was it, Brian, that was on the podcast last week? Mm -hmm. When you go to see this band, maybe that you wouldn't even normally go to, but you're just there. Like, he had went to see um, Clint Black. And this guy don't even like country. Oh, he and was he, working their merch booth. Okay, that's how that's how it happened. Yeah. So he he didn't go on purpose, but he walked away from there saying, "Holy shit, Clint mm -hmm. Black is awesome." You oh, know, yeah. he he was made a believer. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's one of the things with that you know that that one act I play with that's you know does '90s country. <laughs> you know, I I've got to see a lot, and I'm, I won't be there for. I mean, I will be there in the audience for this. But are you doing anything with Wade Hayes Friday? Yep. Okay. I mean, I've done shows with him. We, you know, Ricochet has done backup for him yeah. on a number of occasions. Oh yeah, y'all, yeah, y'all have been his his band basically, right? Well, no, I mean, he he has about three different bands basically okay. that you know he cycles in and out, and I mean, you know, and he can do that, right? Because like, there's a band over in uh, Nashville called Six Wire, and I think okay. 
they were on one of those reality type or, you know, talk, game yes, show type things. Yes, I, and, I remember that. And they back up everyone over there. Okay. Uh, their bass player is a guy named John Howard. And, I mean, he'll show, oh, I can't remember who he had, you know, had his set list on for a show at the big auditorium over there. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was like, I mean, they'll back up metal guys. They'll be backing up country guys. They'll be backing up rock guys, you know, wow. for different shows and whatnot. I mean, that, it's quite a gig to have and, sure and you know i know wade uses them a lot i mean okay. you know i've done three shows ricochet has done three shows right. as his backup band and, yeah um and then he's got another group i guess that he works with with you know more than nashville local type things and okay. they're gonna be the ones that are friday i'm gonna go okay i'm i'll be there to you know don mott's gonna be the bass player and he's a local nashville guy and you know played in the army bands and whatnot when gotcha. he was when he you know back in the day and he's you know i'm sure he's pretty salty i've worked with wade a couple of times out at the casino. We've had him in a couple of times since I've been around there. And it's always a good show. It's always a really good show. He's a tremendously talented individual. And his story is unbelievable. I don't know if you know that entire story with him. He survived stage four colon cancer That's right. twice. Yes. Stage four twice. Yeah. That usually doesn't even happen once. Right. And it's happened twice. And it it's made him a completely different person. Yeah. I mean, you know... Um, I mean, I'm sure he probably wasn't too far from God before then, but that, sure. you know, he knew that you know somebody upstairs is watching out for yeah. him. Yeah, was this pre-fame or no? Uh, this was after you know more or less the '90s heyday. Wow, was was done. I had no idea. Yeah, there's an album that he did a, a my favorite country songs did a number of covers on, and um, uh, if you find his version of On Solid Rock, I stand. Mm-hmm. Oh, you want to? Oh yeah, that'll be it. bring a tear to a glass eye. That's another one of those. I mean, just I was just like, man, this is just you know, that's a level I'll never see. Well, I just discovered a couple of days ago. I guess an article my wife found. Uh, Blink one eighty two. Mark Hoppus, 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 Hoppus. He is currently battling cancer, or just did not know finished battling cancer. Yeah, yeah. He's going. He had his own. Uh, I don't know if it was as, ter- as serious as stage four. But, uh, yeah, kind of the same deal with him, and I had no clue about that. But I definitely, I've been listening to Wade Hayes forever. I had no idea. Oh, yeah. That's wild. And, yeah, uh, it's quite a story. Um, oh, there's a couple songs that, I mean, he directly addresses it, and it's just like, mind blown. I mean. So, I want to go, I, I hate to keep going back, but I don't, if, if you're okay. <laughs> I'm, I got all the time you want. All I right. Mean, remember, I like to sound my own voice, so I, you know, I can sit here and do this all, you know. <laughs> So we, we we talked about how you were dead set against coming to Arkansas. Ooh. I want to know two things. What brought you eventually to, and I, I think it was the university, uh, but also uh, despite you being rock and roll, how did you end up being a staple in all these country bands in the area? Dumb, dumb, dumb luck. Um, <laughs> well, okay, I'll, I'll give you the whole, I'll give you, I'll wrap it up into one little ball here. Uh, my mother was born in Little Rock and raised in Jonesboro and attended an ASU. Um, once she got out of there, her and her parents and family and whatnot moved to South Bend because of a job availability at a Bendix plant there. Uh, my grandfather worked there for a while, wasn't digging the northern vibe, so to speak, and they all left except for my mother who stayed. Met my father, here I am, Okay. And my dad was a banker for 40-some years in that area, and he meets a guy one day that was living in Edwardsburg, Michigan, but was originally from Clinton, Arkansas. Oh. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> wait, wait for some more stories about Clinton because, you know, uh, I got plenty. 
he, you know, came into my dad's bank wanting to get a loan for some drywalling stuff, you know, and he's this dumb hick from Clinton and, you know, questionable collateral. And my dad goes out on a limb, extends him a loan, guy turns into a multimillionaire. Wow. So, so for a long time, every year, he would take my dad down to Greer's Ferry Lake and go fishing. And then it's like, well, when you decide you're going to retire, you know, if you want to come down here, there's a plot of land right over here. You know, I'll take care of the land. You take care of the house. Hmm. So wow. as soon as the ink was dry in my diploma in 1987 at IU, they shuffled off to Clinton, Arkansas. And I was trying to test the job market and whatnot. I decided I was going to go to school any further yet. I stayed in South Bend for a year and then thought, well, I might as well try to, you know, go back to law school and whatnot. And by then, I didn't rule out Arkansas because I didn't really have anything keeping me in South Bend at that point. And my parents were getting up there in years, so I wanted to be, you know, a little bit closer. Yeah. You know, the, the running joke was I wanted to be a little bit closer to the money. But, <laughs> I, you know, want to be a little bit closer to the folks, but, you know, not too close. So I thought, well, Fayetteville, yeah, three-hour trip from Clinton. So close, but not too close. Sure. And, you know, and I'd also had a really bad music experience, you know, the business experience with the funk band in Bloomington. And I thought, I'm not going to play again, you know, wow. you know within my own, you know, giggles. Right? Okay. And my first year of law school, I spent it at the Pomfret dorm on campus. And I kept a guitar and a bass in the room. And I, you know, on study breaks, I would get up and play and jam to some records and whatnot. And people would play, you know, stump the band with me, bring in different things or bring in different things. You know, hey, you should learn some of this. Because, you know, one guy brought in Sam and Dave and I hadn't heard much. <laughs> Sam and Dave brings in this whole CD. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, okay. You know, I mean, I learned all that just because it was there. Right. You know, and people are like, why are you here? <laughs> I'm like, you have no idea because... You know, go to Nashville, and there's guys that can, you know, smoke me seven ways to sundown that are right. pump, pumping gas. And there's guys that, you know, couldn't hold my jock that are, you know, playing all over the place. Right. I mean, I, you know, it may not be that drastic of a paradigm in the, in the talent pool now. Probably pretty close. But, I don't know. You know there's, there's just still a lot of that. Right. I mean, but now as far as playing country is concerned, did you ever meet Dan Devley? No. You may have, he plays with the Downtown Livewire. Okay. Okay, I mean, him were roommates, best friends, best men in each other's weddings and whatnot. Okay. And he was playing with a singer-songwriter named Bob Wist. And Bob had like a little bit of a songwriting deal with Dwayne Blackwell, who was one of the writers of Friends in Low Places. Oh, wow. wow. And he would go over to Nashville every now and then and do different things like play at the Bluebird. I know we all know who the, yes. what the Bluebird is. Yep. Mm-hmm. I did not. The first time I went to the Bluebird and played at it, I'm like, I drove all the way from... Where's the rest of it? Yeah, where's the rest of it? <laughs> I drove all the way from Northwest Arkansas to play in some some crap strip mall yeah. in Nashville, you know, and then I got clued in real quick as to, oh, no, you're actually, this is actually something. So, yeah, the first time right. I went to Nashville, I played at the Bluebird, had no idea. The only thing I knew was is that there were some pictures of Todd Runger in there, and I was trying to hit on one of the waitresses long enough to for her to take them off the wall for me. So, <laughs> I got neither waitress nor pictures, you know, but... So that's where the kind of the country thing started. And then, you know, I played with a guy named Rick Hancock over here for a while. I mean, he still occasionally plays, but, mm-hmm. you know, he had d- different connections in Nashville and whatnot. Went over there and, you know, recorded some things with him. And I still was not necessarily wise to country huh. until I started playing with some of these Okies over here. And they're right. kind of like, all right, you know, showing me different things. And it's like, oh, okay, the lights are on. I mean, and it's funny now because I didn't grow up with a lot of things. So it's like, 
you know, have you heard this Alabama? No, 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 I haven't heard that. No, you know, do you remember? No. You know, I just, you know, I didn't have the same, you know, the same youthful experience. Sure, yeah. Me. You know, because, I mean, people down here grew up in Warrior. Right, exactly. They grew up in Hank, true. senior. You know, I mean, I knew some of it, but, I mean, you know, right. these people were pulling out deep cuts. Yeah. Merle Haggard, you know, I mean, I'm not sure what I knew until I came here. I don't think I did. That's so, that's yeah, that's so different. Such yeah. a different approach. You like, you're learning up. it. I mean, you're learning it oh, as you are oh, learning I, it. Yes, I'm learning it. You know, and every now and then, I, you know... Even still, this day, every now and then, it's kind of like, eh, can you play it this way? Okay, but you know, for the most part anymore, I'm, you know, well, with the old stuff anyway, the new sure. country, it's like, oh eh, yeah, you know, you know, you just pump eighth notes, right? <laughs> <laughs> You're saying it's not as complicated, yeah, right? not really, not really. It's a total different game. It's like, you know, there's a friend of mine over there that's long time. Well, he plays bass for Artemis Pile Band now. Okay, oh cool, and. um you know, and I said something on Facebook. You know, he had said something about lamenting the current Nashville thing. You know, and I said, Dave, you know, if someone came out with a double fiddle, you know, TikTok walking bass line in a song, I would be listening to heads explode all over Nashville, <laughs> you know, f- from Arkansas. And he's like, Oh, yeah, don't you know it? I mean, different game. It's, mm-hmm. you know, pure pop country now. It is what it is. You mentioned uh, Okies. Did you play. With or around anyone from Tulsa, um, David Dover comes to mind. If- I know, I never played with Dave. I mean, okay. I'm, I met Dave well one night over at a club over there called Westbound. I played over there one night with a band and met Dave. And okay, you know, I mean, I know he's got a history over there. I just don't know exactly what it is. Yeah, it's a lot of the the Tulsa sound that whole thing. And oh like, yeah, uh, his his bass player Trey Hill. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. That's my wife's uncle. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. And, and Trey's played with him for decades. Decades. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I know he's been Tulsa. around. He's been around forever. I mean, forever. He, he had far longer glowing blonde locks than you know than than I do. He, he had Edgar did. Winter hair, oh, man. He it was just crazy. I mean, had he's still around? He has. Yes. But yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, he battled cancer and won. As far as yes, I can, he did. As far as I know, I and mean, I I don't know that he plays anymore. Actually, after the whole cancer thing, I don't think he. Uh, I think he, you know, when he wants to. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I know he's you know he steps out occasionally, but you know. Yeah, when he wants to, which yeah. you know, a good thing to be able to do, I guess. I mean, I mean, I, you know, I try to play every weekend. If I, you know, try to slow it down over this this Christmas month, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, then again, I got a call on the way over here. Are you good Saturday night? Uh-huh. And I'm like, here we go. I wanted to ask you currently because Sam is telling me you've played with literally everybody. Like you've you've played with literally everybody. How many projects are you involved with now at the moment? Okay. Um, <laughs> Well, there still is a thing called Western Justice. I've been with something called Western Justice for 27 years. Did we not talk? We haven't even talked about that yet. Not really. Oh, okay. I'm so, all right. Go 27 ahead. years come January. My God. And there was even something called Western Justice before me, but it was a guy named Shane Charles. It was called Shane Charles and Western Justice. And then okay. later on, Shane left, and so we just made it, me and Jimmy just made it Western Justice. And So are you and Jimmy kind of the core members, or was there like a drummer before Jimmy and, and um, a bass player before you, or... When I joined something called Western Justice, it was me and Shane and several other guys. Okay. One of them being a uh, you know steel player that plays with Joe Nichols now. I mean, wow. and um, like everybody walked out. I think at one point, we, me and Shane was just like, "Well, we're just going to put together another band. Forget these guys." And I had known Jimmy from playing elsewhere, and I'd known Brad from playing elsewhere. Okay, and then Brad ended up joining a few years later. But Jimmy's only been Jimmy's been with something called Western Justice for about ten months. Or so less than me. Okay. I brought him in. Okay. And then eventually, you know, we we usurped the name, 
And then, you know, so I guess the core for a long time was me, Jimmy, and Brad. Okay. And then um, we've had a couple different steel players sure. and a couple different dancing chickens out front. <sighs> and then for the last few years, we've been doing it four piece most of the time. I love the dancing chickens. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because, you know, we used to, because, you know, we're, you know, even back then we were fat and ugly, so we needed someone, you know, we needed some pretty boy out front, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah, we had a starch cowboy, we had a guy that looked like Keith Urban. Didn't, uh, did Zach Swan sing lead with y'all for a little bit? No, Zach, and here's what's funny, all right, Zach filled in with us about six months before they started doing The Voice. Okay. We did a couple shows at a, um... Oh, there was a rodeo in Oklahoma City, some sort of, you know, national, not the national finals, but some sort of, I don't know, American, I don't know, some kind of finals there in Oklahoma City. And we did a couple of shows there. It was like, you know, uh, to have a fifth piece, you know, do some of the singing and whatnot. We had Zach coming in. Okay. I mean, we knew him, you know, we'd sure. known him for a while. They'd been around, they'd been around Tahlequah for a long yeah. time. And we brought Zach in and, you know, you know, of course, you know, it'd be nice to have him all the time. I'm sure it would, but he's like, you know, they're they're fixing to go out to L.A. and do this new show right. and whatnot. And I'm like, yeah, I can see, you know, I I saw where that was headed real quick, and you know, God love him. I mean, although you know, Zach, let's just say Zach, you know, had a few adult beverages one night and was challenging me to a, you know, a cage match, you know, in a ring, <laughs> and I, you know, and but you know, he needs to put up or shut up. That's what he needs to do. <laughs> So I know other than Western Justice, uh, who are you currently playing with? Currently playing with uh, Western Justice. Uh, we have a side project called Borrowed Money, which, um, I mean, it's a rotating cast with Borrowed <laughs> Money, other than, you know, Stacey Barnes is usually going to be the one, you know, at the front of it, who used mm -hmm. to be with Western Justice, and now he mostly just does the Borrowed Money thing. He left Western Justice a few months ago, and here we are. Okay. Um, what it was designed to be was essentially Ricochet without Heath. Without the lead singer. Just and then there's playing. Ricochet as well, yeah. And then, you know, I, yeah, I still play with Ricochet. Okay. And, um, I know we have, we've done three gigs with Wade Hayes this year. I mean, I hope there's more somewhere in the horizon, but won't be at West Silo on Friday night. So, but <laughs> I'm going to, I'll be there because, I mean, it's a show worth taking. Mm -hmm. for, it's really a good show. Plus, I can at least say hi to him and his bass player, and I don't know who else he'll have with him. I mean, because I know the last few shows there, he's had, you know, with with, with uh, Ricochet, he's got a you know a keyboard player, Larry plays steel, drums, bass, and Heath playing rhythm. You know, there's five guys behind him, and a lot of times I've seen him bring just three in behind him. So, you know. And he's a heck of a guitar player himself. I'm pretty sure he plays lead. He played yeah. lead on all his stuff. And yeah. he was, you know, he was Alabama's touring guitarist for a while. Okay, who, I did who not was? know that. Wade. Yeah, Wade was. Oh, he Wade was. Yeah. Well, I think it was when it was like Randy Owen. Sure. Of Alabama. He, yeah. He, okay. Still, he's got to play all that stuff. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, he's, he's got to be a good guitar player then if he's oh, doing that. Oh, he's yes. He's, yeah, he's really good. He's really good. Yes. Next, next question. Okay. I got a bunch. Do you ever see yourself? Or do you have any desire to ever gravitate back towards a rock and roll band or anything like that? He smiles huge for those of you not here, which is all of you. Well, you know, I, <laughs> let's just say, I know there's, uh, uh, you know, me and Mike O'Hara have something, you know, in the works. Awesome. At least, you know, uh, you know, every guy that's involved, you know, has other things as well. So of course. It's, you know, but, you know, but it's something far different. You know, when we get done, I'll play you some rough things because we kind of first got together to, you know, Take it for a test drive and see how it sounded. You know, it's like here, learn five songs, come in, let's see how they sound. Yeah, and um, I can't reveal all the other members, right? You know, but uh, I'll, I'll play it for you later because it's it's a hard, it's probably you know hard left from anything anyone around here has ever heard me do. But hmm. I, you know, when I was a young kid, I did it all the time. I mean, 
I play a Getty Lee bass for yep. God's sake. <laughs> yep. Until my new unit. Now I'm, you know, just got that new Lakeland in, so I can't wait to take that baby out for a test drive. Do I see me ever doing that? Oh, yeah. That, yeah. What's funny is we're sitting over here the opposite. Uh, Sam and I was just talking a couple of weeks ago about, like, we've always, well, I, you've sat in on a lot of country bands and stuff. I've never played anything remotely country, but I was raised on it, and mm -hmm. I love it. Not new country. Yeah. I want to be very clear on that. But anyway, before they just started singing about tailgates and whatever the formula is and whatever that. I had one sentence I used to be able to spit out, like, from start to finish. I don't know if I could do it anymore. It's like, you know... Uh, you know, the hey baby, hop in my truck with your Daisy Dukes, slide yeah. over here, get some Muscadine wine or some of the good stuff, and driving some back road, listening to some Merle or George, even though we have no idea exactly what they're singing. <laughs> it, was, it was like the, it went on for another minute as to here's here's country music today. My even my my 16 year old daughter, we were we were driving. This has been quite a while back, but she was going through the stations in the truck, and she hit on one of those, and she's like. Dad, how come they sing about the same thing? All the, every country song, and she named off basically what you did, and I was like, sweetheart, I don't know. Oh, yeah. But there's a, there, apparently there's an audience for it. Oh, and, you know, Travis Kidd, you know, was, we were texting the other day, and he's like, he texts me, he's like, what's that pro country progression that everybody uses these days? And I'm like, well, it's either a uh, 1564 or a 6415 or something like that. And he's like... Yeah, okay, that's what yeah, that's what I thought it was. And I was like, all right, here's all right, here's the ones that go like this. Here, here, whiskey glasses. All right, here we go. Yeah, we started running on this list of every one of them that had like that same chord progression. There's a great video where a guy he has it on a monitor yes. like you. Yeah, I've Have seen you it. seen it? Yep. He brings up how many country uh, new countries? Four or five. He plays them all at the same time. Yes. It's and so it's like creepy really how they bizarre. they just blend. It is one song. Yeah. It is one song. Yep. But where I was going was I played rock forever, but I've grown up on country and love country. And I was telling Sam the other day, if anything, because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm only 41, but I just, I don't need to play live for a while. I'm just, I don't know. I'm just there where I just don't want to do it yeah. for a while. But when I come back or if ever, I think it'd be awesome to like just trade places with you. I'd, I'd kill to be in a 90s country oh, band. Yeah. Oh, Shenandoah and Diamond Rio and Restless Heart. And, oh my God. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, like, see, during the three years that I've been a part of Ricochet, let's see, well, we did... We've done a couple shows with Shenandoah. Oh, my God. Ex Exile. We played over at Durant in the casino when Restless Heart was playing in the oh, theater. Yeah. So, like, when they got done, like, Greg Jennings comes over to, you know, oh, that's you awesome. know talk to me and whatnot. And I was just like, you know, I told, I'm like, I got to get a picture with you because otherwise my friends, right. are, you know, aren't going to believe this. Yeah. Restless Heart is such an amazing, amazing Oh, yeah. And, they, and, and they're done. Oh, they are? Yeah. Um, let's see. There's a show. They'll probably wind up at West Siloam at some point called the... The Front Men of Country. Okay. And it's um, Larry Stewart from Restless Heart, Richard okay. McDonald that used to be with Lone Star. Because, you know, Lone Star was just yeah. over there like last year, not long after that. They were quit. there right before COVID hit. Yep. And, and not long after that show, Richie quit. Okay. And Tim Rushlow from Middle Texas. Wow. So they can all three do their hits. Dang. And, just, and only have to pay one band. And, you sure. Know, and That's a lot like, uh, I mean, we just had Sammy Kershaw, Aaron Tippin, and Colin Ray. Yes. All, and it was all acoustic. For the most part. It was yes and no. Okay. Because I don't think they had a drummer, if I remember right. It, it was an acoustic show, and it was like they took the keyboard player for Colin Ray, and they had like a like a fiddle player and an acoustic player for Sammy Kershaw, and then like some you know somebody else from Aaron Tippin's band, and they they formed kind of like you know the band for the whole thing, but then, okay. but it was more of a of an acoustic based show. 
But it was fantastic. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I went over to JJ's Live the other night, and Steve Warner was there. Oh, oh my gosh. And, I mean... Yeah, that was a, that's a great show, They already had, already had Dave Ennis from Restless Heart playing keys for him, who's just fantastic. Dude, that is so cool. And, yeah, that was, you know, for... Yeah, it was one of those shows like that, where it's like yep. hit after hit after hit after hit, you know. And in fact, you know, it was like the two songs of his I wanted to hear. Holes he in did the floor not play. of heaven? Oh, he did that. Oh, you bet he did that. <laughs> yeah, another one of those, you know, bring a tear to a glass eye right. songs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was just like, you know, if he'd have done, you know, leave him out of this, I'd have been a puddle in the floor. Oh, but, yeah. You know, thankfully he didn't do it. And I hope JJ's Live does more things like that. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, it's like, yeah, because if you look at what they've had so far, it's like, you know, Snoop Dogg, Ice Cube, and yeah. Steve Warner. It's yeah. Like, all right, which one's the turd in this punch bowl? <laughs> you know? This, this would be sacrilege probably to the outlaw country folks, but I love that too. But maybe it's just because that's when I was coming up. But uh, the 90s is my favorite. Like, I mean, I can just think of so much. I can sit here all night and name. So, like, Nobody Wins by Radney Foster and, ooh, and How ooh. Catch Him, Small Town Saturday Small Night. Town Saturday like, night. all these songs, like, even the one hit wonders of country in the 90s was just fantastic. Well, and it's like, you know, I, some people think Ricochet is a one, one hit wonder because of Daddy's Money, but they had, you know, three top 10s, three top 20s, and number one. I mean, you know, that's wow. You know, because, yeah, because their first two albums are just, you know, fantastic. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, and it's like, you know, everybody wants to hear daddy's money. I, you know, but you know, I want to hear love is stronger than pride, you know? Mm. Oh yeah. You know, that still kind of gets me. Yeah. That's my favorite song off that record. But, um, oh yeah, absolute joy and pleasure to play that. I mean, you know, and it's like people around here, it's like, you know, they've heard it all before, but you know, we, you go to West Virginia and they think, you know, Ricochet is still relevant. It's like they, you know, it never, they, it's like they never left. <laughs> Fine by me. I mean, you know, I was counting the other day. I've got to play in 19 different States. Wow. You know, we did, we did, we got flown, flown to Alaska for a one -off. That's right. Yeah. And that wasn't too long ago. It wasn't too long ago. And then Heath got to go back and do like some acoustic stuff up there. Okay. But I mean, you know, it's like you, yeah, it was quite the experience. I think I saw I, either you or Chris or somebody post on Facebook about how just like the sun never went down up there or something. Well, you know, the, it, it, yeah. I mean, it was 23 hours of daylight. Sure. Oh, it was during that time. Yeah. yeah it was during oh that time. God. You know, because that area has one of the, like the highest, Suicide depression rates in the country. Right. Because when you see have like 20, 23 and a half hours of darkness, and even that, you know, half hour to an hour of daylight's like, you know, like five o'clock here, you know, it's almost, almost that. Yeah. But now they've got dispensaries and whatnot in every corner and they're full <laughs> legal. So I think that's kind of cut back in the suicide rate. People <laughs> just kind of like just get stoned and forget about it. Alaska is an interesting place because you'd mentioned, I mean, obviously as, as what was your career for almost two decades, you, you, you obviously have some sort of interest in true crime. Oh yes. Uh, but okay. also a lot of interesting <laughs> cases come out of Alaska. And you know what? Me and my wife were just watching one before I left. Like a mail bomb in Anchorage that killed. really, yeah, and they were telling the whole story about how I mean, it's quite the story, but yeah, you know, and the, yeah, there's a few there. There's a number of stories there that you know, and just crime overall. It's very weird because I guess a lot of these guys go out and make shit loads of money in, in the oil fields or whatever, and then like in crime is actually super high in Juneau and like places like Anchorage from yeah, whatever, and there's I'm, like tons of. It's like strip clubs and uh, just a really seedy underworld. And I mean, when you think Alaska at first, you don't really think that. And I was in Fairbanks. Okay. So, I mean, it wasn't, I didn't see anything really seedy there at okay. all. Okay. Okay. And there were, you know, like I said, there were those dispensaries in just about every corner. I mean, one of them was even open until 5 a.m. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. I'm surprised. I'm surprised I didn't deliver to the hotel, you know. And, um, Oh, we, we meet in Vianne. We drive to Oklahoma City to get on a plane there just to fly to Dallas, 35 minutes to Dallas, then to fly seven hours to Fairbanks. Wow. 
And, you know, it's, it, well, you know, they have backline there, but, you know, I, I bought a dual bass bag. You know, it's like, why are you taking two basses? I'm like, because if I don't, if I only take one bass, something will go wrong. Right. You know, yeah, it's that's a superstition of mine. Exactly. You know? And we, you know, we got there the night before, you know, hung out for a little bit that evening, you know, get up the next day, you know, the usual deal, go set up, sound check, that kind of thing, and then have, you know, some time. And we didn't go out, you know, we didn't go until after the rodeo and it was nine o'clock. And it looked like noon here. That's so weird. And, you know, and we did, you know, 75-minute show. It's 1045. It still looks like noon here. <laughs> we do a bit of a meet and greet. and We had a band come on after us. 15 minutes of meet and greet. 11 o'clock, still like it's noon. And they play a few. And then it's like, hey, you, wanna, you know, they, this is funny. They started, to, you know, well, maybe we can sit in with them for a few. We're here. Like, okay. And then they kicked into, you know, country band, but they kicked into Sweet Melissa. Oh, I'm like, wow. ah. what? You know, yeah, the bass player's looking at me like, you know, yeah. what? You know, yeah, Almond Brothers. And that I'm is like, awesome. That's my favorite Almond Brothers. Like, yeah, yeah come too. on over here, boy. I, you know, give me that thing. You know? <laughs> and, and we get done with them like 12 o'clock, still like noon. I mean, it was just like, I don't know when it, you know, I don't know when that hour came. I didn't stay awake that long to try and figure it out. What's the bigger mind screw that like the, the all day of darkness or the all day of light, you know, it's just never getting I dark. can't help but think, I mean, I, I'm already messed up with things, you know, being pitch dark at five o'clock around yeah. here. Yeah. Oh yeah. That sucks. I mean, I'm still, yeah, I, this it still bothers me. So, I, you know, given a choice, give me that 23 hours, you know, I'll just shut my shades. That way I can get some sleep. That's that. me too. Man, I tell you, I say that we've got a fragile psyche, but even if it's just cloudy for more than two or three days, I'm just like, Jesus Christ, yeah. I am, I need some <laughs> vitamin D. Like I yeah. will get straight up depressed. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, Can't take it. Think what happens, you know, in that place when you're living there and it's, you know, almost 24 hours a day, a total dark for six months. Oh my God. I don't think I could do it. Yeah. That's why you don't see me too, don't seem too many tall buildings. <laughs> because, you know, otherwise they'd be launching themselves. Oh, gosh. Yeah. yeah. You're probably not even kidding, are you? I no, mean, that's... I, no, no, I mean, it makes for a funny joke, but actually it's, yeah, it's probably, I mean, you don't see too many. I, I figure that may be part of it. I don't know. There is a movie. I think it's got, uh, like, maybe Al Pacino or something, and it takes place in Alaska during the dark, during the... With Robin Williams? Yes, yes. Yeah, I can't remember what that's called, but I know what the one you're talking about. That's a fantastic movie, man. Yes, and it's one of those where Robin Williams plays the villain better than One Hour Photo. I mean, oh, One Hour Photo's great, yes. too. and he, he, you know, he's equally evil in both of those. Yeah, well, what a freaking genius. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sam, can you... He's Googling, he's Googling it now. That because that's such a great oh yeah because Robin Williams is like the serial killer in yes, this yes he's a serial killer in that one and you know and he was just the stalker creepy guy. in one hour yeah. photo oh, yeah. yeah very yeah he works at a one hour photo and these like I guess he becomes obsessed with this particular family. family and then he like every every roll of film they bring in he'll like make extras for himself and he has this shrine in his house insomnia so, insomnia. insomnia that's it man insomnia. great movie. But yeah, I totally get that. It's even like I said, even just two or three days of clouds. And oh yeah, I'm, I'm just like, oh my god. And see, you know, if I go to sleep, and you know, and I'm out for any amount of time, once I see daylight, I'm up. It doesn't matter. It's like it'd be an hour later, and I'll be up. I mean, I don't know if I'll be well rested, but I'll be up just because. Well, I saw this daylight, therefore it must be time to get up. <laughs> so I, you know, like I said, I'd have to shut those blinds, and you know, in the hotel, use the uh, the clips from the. Coat hanger to clip the, win the blind shut. Yeah, That's yeah, a good idea. Yeah, another life hack if you're on the road. Yeah. So you must you. I bet. Uh, have you ever tried to work a like third shift job in your life? Um. Because I. I oh no. I mean, I. You know. Well, for the last eleven years, I'm my actual title 
is special operations manager slash counsel for RLP Investments, a construction company. Okay, okay. And um, it's one of my former clients from back in the day that, you know, um, started building houses and, you know, took it from a, you know, 12 to 16 house a year business to 90 to 100 or more, 50 or $60 million passing through the doors. I mean... He's in the right area of the country to do it. Right area of the country to do it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's not even one of the biggest, but, he, you know, like I said, he, he makes a lot of money. And, that is awesome. You know, and, and the other thing with that was is that, I mean, I dress like this to go to work <laughs> just about every day. And it's he's like... He's wearing a full white tuxedo, by the <laughs> way. <you know>. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Well, I only asked that because you seem, I bet we were the, in the same, uh, cut from the same cloth in that... I tried one time for, I think, two weeks to work a third shift job. You were saying the daylight thing. Mm-hmm. Like, my ass is not sleeping if it's daylight. I'm the same way. Yeah. I'm not a napper. I can't sleep during the day. That two weeks was hell. It was like, mankind is not supposed to be up at night and sleep during the day. I couldn't do it. It was oh, horrible. I had, you know, the, the I, people ask me, what's the worst job you ever had? And it was working midnight drive through at a Burger King. Oh. In a college town. Oh. So, so people doing, screwed with you all the time. Your shift is 11 to 6. And so, you know, you're doing part of the drive-through, which is nothing but drunken college students. Yes. You know, with no respect for much of anything. Hey, are you the burger? Hey, are you the you're burger king? You're the burger king. Yeah, oh, yeah, king. that's the first time I've ever heard that asshole. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, ex- <laughs> exactly. And, that, and, that, and that's even some of the lesser, you know, rebuffs you can get from some of them. I mean, that's that's being nice. And plus, you know, there's that to deal with. Plus, you're, you're doing most of the cleanup for the next shift. All right. Plus, you get to clean the broiler. Oh. And I... Might have to edit this one. I'd rather be a gynecologist in women's prison than do that again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I dare you, Sam. I'm daring you, buddy. Leave that one in. We've we've went worse. We've went uh, yeah. Worse. I did that for about th- yeah. I did that for like a whopping three weeks, and you know, smell like charbroil. Right. You know, and that was fry grease. Fry grease. Yeah. Oh yeah. You have to clean the fry vats too. I had to taste it that at McDonald's at my first job. Oh, I mean, I left that for a pizza job. Hey, that's, that's a, a step up in my opinion. Oh man, is it? Where was it? <laughs> uh, well, you know, I was in Bloomington, Indiana. It was a, it was a. Uh, I don't know if they still exist now, but it was called Garcia's Pizza. And the guys that owned it, you know, they a few Midwestern colleges had it, and they were all from Champaign, Illinois, and they played music around the same time a band called REO Speedwagon was doing oh was doing God. that. And they were like rival bands, but, you know, in order to, you know, you couldn't gig and make a lot of money for things, so they started doing pizzas. And it took over the music business. Oh it was like, God. you know, REO went their way, huh. and, you know, these brothers went the other wow. and started, these, started making these pizzas and whatnot. I'm like, to each his own. I mean, money's <laughs> money. I mean, there's no grade. It's like, well, oh, you made that dollar hustling pizza as opposed to, you know, singing for your supper. So it pays the same. It's a hundred cents. Yeah. So for the last 11 years, I've been working with that, which has been an education of itself. Cause I mean, you know, they're building houses all over the place and I've proven beyond a shadow of a doubt. The only thing I'm capable of building is debt. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I do a number of things like, you know, well, I mean, you know, assessing a lot of insurance things because, you know, it's a necessary evil. And, I mean, it runs the gamut. It's whatever, you know, whatever problem comes up on that particular day. Oh, you need a contract? Here you go. Pocket lawyers at work. And then, you know, all kinds of things. But 
like I said, I get to dress like this, and it's like, uh, well, I've got to do this run through Fort Worth and then El Paso and then Arizona. All right, we'll see. You. I'll be back in Monday morning. You know, wow. and it's Thursday, and it so, doesn't I mean, destroy your entire faith in humanity. Like, and it doesn't the, yeah. that other job. <laughs> it does not. You know, it does not completely suck your soul. I mean. You know, there's, you know, I mean, it's a job, therefore it's not all, you know, fun and games, but, you know, and every now and then I, you know, I need those road trips to escape the stupid sometimes. <laughs> I mean, but that would be, the, you know, that's the case with just about any job. I mean, you know, why do most people need lawyers? Because they did something stupid, you know, shouldn't have cooked that meth, shouldn't have married that girl, you know, I mean, you know, dumb, oh, dumb you, now you're a lawyer, yeah. you, know, you know, making that fortune off the misfortunes of others. Maybe this won't. I want to touch it. I want to touch into it so bad into the to the defense attorney stuff. Was there ever a time where you had a client that was because I've seen this happen? Well, Ted Bundy did it, and there were several that done it. Uh, Ted Bundy had a better stance to do it from because he actually had went to law school. Well, and stuff. Yes. But the ones that are just total morons and they're like, I'm going to represent myself. Fortunately, I never had to deal with okay. necessarily that sort of. That thing. was one. Okay. I mean, yeah, I never had to deal with that sort of thing where you know I had to hold someone. You know, because a lot of times when they do that, they still keep that attorney on to you know hold their hand. Oh, to really? Make sure you know the, you don't go off the rails in the crazy train. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that does happen. But I fortunately, never had to do that. I mean, you know, I had my fair share of dumb. Shoot, I did my fair share of dumb. I mean, <laughs> it's well documented. What's interesting is the video of Ted Bundy in court representing himself. Oh, and when, when one of the judges said, you know, it'd be a pleasure to have you, yeah. you know, practice in front of me, but you went a different direction, Hoss. Yeah, isn't that wild? Yeah. You're a bright young man. You're a bright young man. It's Why, like, you know, oh, yeah. This guy is like suspected of killing kind of a lot of people. A lot of people, a lot and, more than possibly we know about. I mean, yeah. And talk about even being able to manipulate the judge, not really manipulate, but what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of, uh, well, ingratiate himself. There with, you, you know, go. You know, it's like, you know, the judge liked him. I mean, he was still guilty as hell, but the you know, judge <laughs> liked him, you know. But, oh, yeah. Have you seen, I don't know if you, either of you have seen, like, the, the tapes. Oh, yeah. The oh, man. Uh, the, uh, in prison? Yeah, yeah, like that last interview he yeah. does, you know, I think it was on Netflix or something yeah, like that. Yeah, wasn't he so. doing it uh, with, like, AF American Family Radio or some weird thing like that? Or? I think that's where it wound up. I mean, I can't remember, you know, there was, wasn't really a noted journalist that was, you know, doing it with him. I don't know if it was some police and wasn't that right before his execution? Yeah, it was within days. And yeah, I, I kind of think he was just screwing with that guy because uh, there's one particular interview, or it's the interview, but it's one one of the tapes where Bundy is pretty much blaming all of his problems and his on on pornography. On pornography. Um, I don't buy that. I don't either. I'm not saying that that may not have a bad effect. I mean, I'm not well, gonna, no, I'm not going to yeah. say that. I'm you know, and I'm you know. I'm, I don't have a psychological degree of any sort other than, you know, human nature, but no, I don't buy that either okay, just okay. because, I mean, people tell me, you know, that none of those things end like that. <laughs> so I've heard. Yeah. So I've heard. That was what I was, I was wanting to pick your brain about that, whether or not, because as soon as when I saw that, I was just like, I think Bundy's just screwing with one more guy before he, yeah. you know, fries because... I don't know. I just think that was... And it's funny because, you know, have you seen the mo the more recent movie with him? Yeah, the one with uh, Zac Efron? I think so. The, the one where he where he played? Is it a movie about Bundy? Uh, it was a movie about Bundy, but they, I mean, they, you know, they filmed this scene like going, leading up to his execution and, you know, and they do the different things that they have, you have to do in order to prepare one to be executed. And, you know, they over-dramatize the whole thing, you know, like the guards are just really mean to him and whatnot. You uh -oh. know? And, and the thing is, is that, you know, I've, I, you know, it's like they wouldn't do it. I mean, as much as you hated the guy, you know, you're, 
you know, you're not going to use a hockey stick to pack the cotton, you know, that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah, that type of thing. Okay. It was, yeah. it was just overly, you know, it's like it gave someone some, you know, some pleasure somewhere. But right. Ah, no, I ain't buying it. Ain't buying it. Yeah. But yeah, it's, I don't know, like I said, you know, me and my wife have been watching a lot of those evil libs here. My only concern lately is like, you know, I watch her taking notes and that's kind of scary. <laughs> so, you know, sleeping with one eye open again. <sighs> yeah, there's another series called like Evil Women or something like that. And it's mainly oh, about yeah. just women who've offed their just, lovers. Oh, yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's like, you know, yeah, you have, if you're collecting insurance on three dead husbands, you know, you might right. become a suspect. Maybe. Yeah. Did you, there was a particular one where uh, her first husband had died. And I don't know what they blame it on a heart attack or something. Mm-hmm. Then her second husband is sick for a, ma- a good amount of time and he passes away. And uh, anyway, it ended up she'd been giving him antifreeze. Did you see that one? Oh, gosh. She'd been giving him antifreeze for kind of a long time. He Just finally in dies. doses. Yes. So they uh, I, apparently that stuff, a- after a period of time, it crystallizes in your bloodstream. So uh, there was one, it was, it was uh, oh, shoot. What, what's one of the more famous poisons? Um, begins with an A. Um, Anthrax? No, not anthrax. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's 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 supposed to leave some sort of like metallic content in your bloodstream. Yeah, you remember? But you know, unless you're testing for it, you don't notice it, and you'll you know die of a heart attack. You know, it was like he enters the hospital sick as a dog with this certain level of metal, and then he's been in the hospital for like two weeks, and it's elevated to like this high, and they're treating him for it. And they can't understand why not, and they figure out later on that well, the wife was there every day. There you go, giving him other than hospital food and, and putting it in the pudding. Oh, oh my god! Yeah, and Dude. of course, yeah. arsenic. Arsenic. There it is. That's it. That's yeah. the one. My bing, god. bing, bing. Pick your poison. But yeah, they 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 exhumed this guy. The yes. first, I think, the first husband she had um, cremated, which is you know, yeah, rush him off to the. How oven. fast can we do that? Well, yep. it's not cold yet. Uh, let's just do it. And then, uh, so anyway, she formulates this story because they they think it's her that her daughter did it. So this was the one where she poisons her daughter. Uh, fakes a suicide note with the daughter fake confessing to killing the husband and trying to frame the mom. Oh, it's just nuts. Yeah, it's nuts. But the daughter pulls through and lives. Oh, wow. And ends up testifying against her in court. Her name was Stacy something. But anyway, just insane stuff. And it's, I would say, it's, that's why it's fascinating. And I know I didn't want to just harp on that, that one particular part of your life uh, for the whole time because I, there's so many other cool things to talk about. But I'm the guy that's like, I'm hoping I get called into jury duty at least once on something cool, you know, yeah. not like, and, and that might be me just being purely ignorant. Oh, I get calls from people, every, you know, even to this day, like, I've been selected for jury duty. I really don't want to do this. What's the quickest way for me to get out? <laughs> and, you know, I, and, I, and I, you know, I normally just tell them, you know, like, look, just deal with it. If you're selected, you're selected. If you're not, you're not. There's, yeah. You know, there's chance, chances are, you know, with the pool they pick, you know, your odds are good that you won't get selected. Right. Worst case scenario, just say I adhere to the laws of the Solar Federation, give the Spock salute, <laughs> and they'll probably they'll probably give you a pass on that one. Yeah. Yeah, I've been selected. I've been summoned. Yes. Two, yes. two or three times, never selected. I've been summoned once. Once. Okay. Yeah. And I've never been selected. My I think my wife's been summoned once, never selected. Um, but yeah, just those people, all you gotta do is just uh, if they ask, don't they ask you, is there any reason why? Uh, you would not be a fair and balanced or something like something that. Something like that. I know? just think if you're like, well, other than me being a homophobic, racist, and sexist. Yes. Uh, no, not really. And then they'd be like, oh, well, there's the door. There's the door. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think you have to work really hard to get out of it. I mean, you know, I, I think I had over 50 jury trials. And, you know, you, it, it's an interesting process of asking questions and whatnot. You know, I mean, you know, I've 
got my Facebook page on hiatus for for a number of reasons. But you know, part of them was was like you know I would I got tired of people talking about things with the Rittenhouse case. Oh, okay. That if you know if you watched it, you understand real quick why things happened the way they did. Right. I wonder if the most of the people making comments probably didn't watch the didn't watch trial. trial. Didn't watch the trial. That's what that that was my feeling. On didn't it. watch the trial. I mean, I, there were three different verdicts that dealt with self defense that came around about the same time, and the jury's got them right each time. Okay. I mean, you know, those idiots in Georgia. I mean, I'm sorry, wasn't going to happen. Uh, the one black dude getting a self defense verdict in Florida, shooting a white guy. I mean, <laughs> where you know, and what what alternate universe does that happen? Right. You know, I mean, but there was some other issues with that. Right. He was a felon in possession of a firearm, so he was still going to get hammered. He just didn't get hammered for the big thing. Right. Okay. And I know with jury stuff, isn't it true that, like, the jury's, that is almost as as important as the trial? Like, who ends up sitting in that box? Do you know why Dr. Phil is anything? Huh. I mean, that's how, you know, Oprah Winfrey made Dr. Phil. Oh. I mean, initially his show was, you know, produced by Harpo or whatever. Okay, I I wasn't aware of that either. Phil was a, well... Among other things, he was a Oprah got sued in Texas for making some conceivably slanderous remarks against the beef industry. So they sued her in Texas, and they were going to trial over it. And they hired a jury analyst, Phil McGraw. Well, because that's where he's from. Yeah, well, wow. he's from Oklahoma, I think. Oh, originally, okay, but okay, close You're enough, right? right. And then close enough. Living, I think yeah. he worked in you know work, was working in Dallas at that time, you know, and she. Became friends with him. So I guess if you're going to be friends with someone, we may as well be a TV magnate like that. <laughs> and, you know, now, now we have Dr. Phil, you know. So. He's from Vanita. He is yeah, originally from Vanita. Vanita? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my That's God. That's just right down the road. Just right down the street. And know. then Garth Brooks, hell, he's not from too from, far. He's from Yukon, yep. Oklahoma. Oh, that's a little farther. But okay, anyway, still, still. Yes. <laughs> so, that, you know, that, so yeah, that, and now there's a show called Bull. That whole show is based upon trying to select a jury and, you know, figuring out all the things that go into it. There's a certain science to it. There is. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, so. yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a topic I can talk on for, for quite a while, but it's <laughs> like, you know, um, you know, because it's like, well, you know, how is it, you know, there's... 11 white jurors and one black juror. There's a good explanation for it. You ain't going to want to hear it. But, I mean, it's... Is it because African-Americans only make up that percentage of... You know, that's a way, you know, then that might be a solution for up the road for that sort of thing. I mean, like that Georgia County was 55% black. But 11 white jurors and one black one. Oh, okay. Now, they came to the right, they came to the right decision on that. I'm sorry, you know. But, you You have no argument for me. But, you (laughs) but, you know, they'd have found those guys not guilty. I mean, if they, you know... Oh, hell would have broken loose. Are you talking about the three neighbors that... Yeah, the three, guy, yeah, the three guys yeah. that, you know, chasing the jogger guy. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Did you hear about... Did you know know anything about that case, Sam? Huh. Well, oh, I don't know. Boy. I mean, yeah. there's a lot, yeah, a lot of things to it, but, I mean, it just should not have happened. Oh, no. I mean, no. it just should not have happened. It is one of the... Yeah, they, he's right. They got it right. They got it right. They did get it right. Yeah. Although, there, there's the one guy, I think he just kind of drove for a little bit. I'm not sure he, you know, signed up for all that, but... no. Sometimes you play and poop, you might get some on you. <laughs> I was going to say Bruce is like the king of the one-liners, especially during during oh. band toasts and and everything oh you know on stage. Oh my! Yeah. He has a list of them. They should not give me a mic, but guess what? They do. You know, they that, do. That I mic mean, that Bruce has in front of him on stage is not for backup harmonies. No, most of the time. You know, I mean, I, it's funny because I'm playing. You know. Ricochet is a vocal harmony group, but my part's like, you know, very limited in the bandwidth. You know, it's just a little low part that's, you know, I can 
you know, I can usually hit, but for the most part. He yeah. does sing uh, Breakdown by Tom Petty, Tom Petty. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's awesome. And, you know, they got me doing, well, I have to sing one song with Ricochet just because of the way the set flows. Mm-hmm. So I do Born to be Wild. Okay, that's right. Yes, he does Born to be Wild. That is yeah, cool. I, I do that do that. One. So I, I do songs that with, with character that require no vocal power. <laughs> Well, see, that's what, and I say this all the time, and it's, I'm totally fine admitting it because, like I said earlier, I have no ego. If someone tells me I'm a good singer, I carefully select the songs. I can sing the songs that I sing. I'm not like, because, you know, it's funny. Bless his heart. James sent me the link to, uh, like, sign up to to go try out for The Voice, speaking of the Swan mm-hmm. Brothers. And I had to be like, man, you know, that's nice that you think I could do that or something, but it's, it's a very different. I'm just not one of those amazing you know, I'm going to blow your ass out of the water. It's like, no, there's so many songs that the guys are like, hey, let's do uh, this song by Billy Squire. And I'm like, ha, you're cute. Yes. Next song. You Next know, song. So the songs that I sing are the songs that I can sing. Yes. You know, so that, yeah, they know your limitations, I guess. <laughs> yes. I mean, because, yeah, I mean, you know, it, like when I do song uh, shows with other groups and whatnot, you know, what, what songs could I possibly sing? When I first started playing bass, I was one of the lead singers in the band, the first band I played with. Really? And, you know, then, you know, things dropped and, you know, I kind of lost that. Uh, but, you know, like the, the, the whole Cars first album. Oh, yeah. There's not a whole lot on there that's really vocally sure. vocally challenging, whether even with Ben Orr or Rick O'Kasic. Right. I mean, but, you know, those are great songs. How did yeah, Rick O'Kasic always have like the most beautiful women Paulina. who ever existed? Paulina Portacova. My I God. I. Staggers the imagination. Yeah, it's such, he's such a different looking fella. Yeah, because I, mean, I mean, yeah, for a long time, I, you know, I, I, after I decided that I didn't want to be Gene Simmons, I wanted to be Ben Orr. I mean, I had the nice center part with the feathers and whatnot <laughs> and sang all those songs and whatnot. And <laughs> thought, eh, well, that's only going to get me so far. <laughs> so, what about what was the first? Because I know you said that, well, basically your first foray into like playing live music was the funk band. Well, actually, no, actually, when I was in high school, that for you know my first band in high school, uh, you know I we did like the Cars, okay. but you know we would you know it was like a lot of the rock stuff from that time. You know the Bon Scott era ACDC as best we could do it. Nice. You know just just sounded like you know hamster in a blender screeching over it, but still <laughs> you know we could play the songs and whatnot, and you know typical high school band stuff. I mean I remember the first time I played live, it was a for a school talent show, and we did Slow Ride. Oh, cool. You little know, fog hat, man. Yeah. That was before I realized, you know, you heard the radio edit. Right. But if you go listen to the album version, there's a bass solo to oh, it. Yeah. It's the middle of it. You yeah. know, it's like a... Yeah. Nick Jameson, who you know, was there for that, like, one album. That was the only album he did with him. Really? Yeah. And it was like, you know, none of those guys do that to this day. <laughs> and, but yeah, so, that was, so you didn't dabble at all with country until you were in Arkansas? And that, knew, that makes sense. Uh, I knew two countries. Yeah, because country was almost a, I mean, you talk about kind of, I mean, I don't want to say a joke, so to speak. You know, there, there's it's a limited audience. Even at, even with that station at Notre Dame, there was an AM country station there that, you know, nobody really gave a rip about. Right. Yeah. Well, that you makes know? sense. And now it's, now it's probably, I mean, probably the more popular stations in that area now are country stations. That are blaring out that Jason are, Aldean and Luke Bryan. And, yep. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's that's your new pop. Damn, yeah. You uh, reshared a memory recently with you and Blake Shelton on Facebook. I'll tell you what. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've only met him a couple times. I mean, I'm, but uh, that particular picture was at a show in Tulsa that they used to do called Day in the Country. Okay. 
And, um, you know, it was like some local acts and then us being like the top local act. And then, you know, you get different people coming in after the that. headliner. Yeah. In fact, you know, Ricochet, you know, long, long before me was even on that. Okay. Though, you know, and B- Blake was there. That was when, um, that particular picture was when, uh, old red was like his big single. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And he'd already had, you know, that, you know, the, so he's got the long locks at he the time. He still yes. had the, he still had the, <laughs> the king mullet, you know, yeah. and we'd heard that and the song, you know, Austin. Right. Austin. Yeah. Right. That's which, a good song. Yeah. That's a really good song. You know, and that's all, you know, that's all anyone really knew of him at that point, other than he was from eight Oklahoma. Okay. And, you know, me and the, the other guy in the, in the pictures, one of our, one of our many sound men that we've had over the okay. years. You know, we're walking along, we see this guy, and it's like, you know, we, you know, it's like, yeah, that, the dude from, you know, the Austin song, all right, you know, like, yeah, see, we get a picture with him. You know, so, so you know, we, I don't know how that picture was taken. I mean, somehow, or I don't know if cell phones were a thing at that point or not, but somebody took that picture. Fortunately, I still have it, but one of the things you don't realize is how perfect that mullet was. Yeah. <laughs> and how tall he is. Right. Because, I mean, I'm, you know, pushing six one. And he's dwarfing us, and he's he's uh, he's uh, smashing Gwen Stefani of all people. Yes, for yes. the last uh, and singing songs like "Chew Tobacco, Chew Tobacco, Chew Tobacco, Spit." spit. Yeah. yeah, so he kind of went downhill. Well, you know, I mean, I'm sure he's crying all the way to his accountant's office. <laughs> True. <laughs> you know, he's he's one of them judges on the Voice. That yeah, and here's another winning. thing: sure he's, he he's going to be releasing a new album soon. And the title cut and first release from that album is going to be a song written by the Swan That's Brothers. That's right. Really? It sure is. Yes. Yep. So, you know. I've already heard it a few times. I've not heard it yet. Them. I've not heard it yet, but, you know, I mean, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure it's good. Those guys deserve everything they're oh, getting. Oh, for sure. I mean, they, they, they'd been at it. it for... They'd been at it for a long time, long before even the View or the really? View, the Voice. The voice. I said the View. Oh, the oh, View. Lord. That's slightly different. Oh, boy, there's a hard left there. <laughs> and, um, you know, we did a show... This is probably my my crowning experience playing. We did a show, it was Ricochet, uh, at the Muskogee Civic Center a couple yep. of years ago. And it was put on by the city as the 50th anniversary of Merle's Live from Muskogee album. Cool. So the bill was basically Ricochet opening for Ben and Noel Haggard. Oh, my okay. God. And there was still- Ben Haggard is phenomenal. Really? Yes. yes. I mean, Noel's pretty good too, but Noel's Ben, good. No, Ben, I mean, has the voice and right. the guitar. It's scary. Down, it's scary. Like I if mean, you closed your eyes and you didn't know it was him, if you just were led into the room and then the band started playing and he started singing, you'd, you would think it was Marvel. Hank the Third can do that with Hank Williams when he wants oh, yeah. to. I mean, it's kind of the same. Yeah, he has that twang and, and just gets it all just right. That's cool, man. But in the middle, towards the end of our set, the Swans came out and did. Seven Bridges Road and Daddy's Money with us. Oh man, yeah. And you know, like I said, I, you know, I've known I've known Zach for a while, and you know, he's the one that made the initial the initial challenge for the for the the wrestling match. So I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to hold him to it. <laughs> Being drunk is no excuse to make that kind of challenge to me. I will Ric Flair his ass. <laughs> You hear me, dude? Woo! Yeah, yeah. And then do the walk after and everything. Oh, you? Oh, I got. Oh, I, can, I can pull all that off. So even the face plant. Yes, I'm, <laughs> I'm a total wrestling mark. So I mean, you know, if you want to head that direction, by God, you ain't got time. <laughs> oh man. Oh boy. Oh boy. Yes, I'm a total mark when it comes to that. So, but I saw Sam's eyes light. We might have to oh, have no. him back for yeah. a part two. Oh boy. Just for that. Just for some anytime, wrestling you know, anytime. I'm only half hour away, but yeah. So uh, you you arrived here in eighty eight. 
88. And then how long until, because I know you said that you were with Western Justice by early, mid-90s? So 90, did, in January of 1996. Okay. Well, how, how long was it then from your arrival to when you were actually playing in country bands here? Well, if you count when, you know, the gentleman named Bob West is his name. He's still, I think he's still living in Fayetteville now. He, he does some book selling. He travels around. He plays every now and then. But it was me and Dan Debley backing him up at the Bluebird. Okay. And plus, you know, played around for a while. So that was my first experience playing any kind of country. Now, were you playing country just because you were in Arkansas and that was the only option? Or how I wound up with that was, I mean... Before that, before, you know, playing this country with Bob, I'd been playing at the library club down on Dixon Street. They used to have this blues night on Monday nights down there. And somehow or another, I snaked my way into being the house bass player for it. <laughs> and, you know, that's like when I was talking to you about, you know, we were talking about our friend Jeff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you know, go to jams because if you want to, you know, meet the other musicians. If it's done right, that's a great place to do it. Right. I mean, you know, there's a there's a certain protocol, but still, I mean, you know, it's a great place to do it. You know, and, I, and um, you know, I'm still in school, but I'm going down on Monday nights and we'd play from nine to one. And, you know, you'd start at nine o'clock, house, typical thing. House band does a few songs and you start bringing people up, some of the tire kickers and people that that's their only chance to play in front of maybe people. Sure. But as the night progressed, you'd have people like Earl Kate come in, Ernie Kate come Dude. in. Oh, wow. The Kate and, brothers. And the yeah. Kate brothers so would good, come man. in. And I mean, and you never knew who would, you know, uh, there used to be a piano player in town named Jojo Thompson that, you know, kind of played during the whole like Chitlin circuit type stuff and Wendy Austin and you know, all these people you get to play with that, you know, had a few laps around the track. And that's where me and, you know, me and Dan first started playing together. Okay. And then it was like, oh, you want to play with Bob? Sure. You know, well, it's you know, pretty country stuff. I mean, you know, he's old school, old school country, but, you know, and, and played with him for a little bit and then, eh, did a little side detour into playing some blues and then had another offer to play with a country band and it just never quite stopped. Um, there used to be a club in Rogers called Alibis. Oh, heard of that. Heard Way of back that. in the day. Mm-hmm. In fact, I represented the first owner that started it. Okay. So I kind of had a little bit of inside track, and I was playing with a guy named Rick Hancock, and we played. We were, the, we were the first local band to play there. And we did, like, our first nights were opening for David Allen Coe two nights. So. Oh, my God. And, That's crazy. And he would bring in, you know, and the guy that owned it was smart enough to bring in a national act at least one or so a month. I mean, we opened for Charlie Daniels there one night. Oh, my gosh. That's cool. You know, Merle Haggard. Um, and then he brought in... A number of other people. So you have like a you have a laundry list of people that, that you've we've opened, opened for. for. Yeah, <laughs> yes, it's a long it's a long list. But you know, there was I don't know where the list is. I think it's the guy from Brownsville Station that made it. It's like there's one thing on their you know, lists of givens. Like yeah, uh, you know nobody really cares who you've opened for, <laughs> right? You know, and that's well, what, you, I do. I think it's cool. I've never I haven't opened for shit. I so it's cool. But I mean, it's like if you think it's like some sort of career stepping stone. It's like when I, I you know. It, it's definitely not. Here's right. where I'm, all right, Sam. Here's where I'm going to get in trouble. I was going to I was going to tell Joe you almost got the close for Marshall Tucker Band or have them open for you, whichever way you want to look at that. Well, and I then wouldn't COVID, say that. And then COVID happened. Yeah, we so. see. But we've closed for like Red Shahan, who's amazing, and Lori Morgan, and a few yes. people. Yeah, we're the closers, I guess. Yeah. Oh, I mean, so. you know, oh, we closed for we closed for Pam Tillis not too long ago. Oh, that's right. right. And, oh man, uh, yeah. I'm Maybe sure. it was Memphis, baby. Oh, that's I, a great I'm sure song. I, oh, I'm sure I talked her ear off. You and God. yeah, you and, Me and Stacey, Stacey were just yep. German all over and stuff. Like, we get a picture of Pam. She was just the nicest woman. She was. Ever. She was very nice and had yeah and had a killer band. Yes. I mean, 
Yeah. Just very killer band. And that was another one of those shows where it's like, how many hits did she have? And next thing you know, she's done 75 minutes before you realize. Yeah. It's like, well, all of them. Right. There it is. Yeah. But, um, yeah, um, we would open for a lot of those acts that came through Alibis, and then that's where I started meeting... Well, uh, one night there was a band that came through called Shane Charles and Western Justice, and I'd already been acquainted with them. And um, my room, one of my roommates at the time was running sound there, and I didn't have a gig that particular weekend. I call him. I'm like, well, who's playing out at Alibi's night? So I might come out and listen. He's like, Shane Charles and Western Justice. Well, tell Shane and Brad I said hi. You know, you know, I may be out later. Well, then he, my phone rings 15 minutes later, and it's sound man guy again. He's like, why don't you just bring your rig and play with him the entire night? I'm like, what? He's like, well... They had a bass player that left, their sound man played drums, their drummer played bass, so until they found a bass player, that's how they were operating. And so I'm like, okay, you know, bring my rig in and, you know, let me see your set list, boys, okay, you know, and usually when that happens, I bat about 85%, you know, can I chart these real quick? Sure. And, <laughs> you know, and next thing you know, it's like, you know, hey, you want the gig? And I'm like, sure. And I've been there ever since. I mean, wow. I even, I've outlived Shane even, who passed away not too long mm-hmm. ago. You know, I mean, he left. He left the band in '99. At which point, you know, well, can we keep, you know, keep the name? Sure, you can. Well, good thing because I've already acquired it for an Oklahoma <laughs> trademark. Okay, <laughs> I still have one. Well, there's something to be said for opening. For I was just remembering we did a eight part series on Buddy Holly, Ooh. and uh, the first thing he did was he had a little bluegrass band and and he played at the Cotton Club. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're in Lubbock, Texas, and that's where he opened for Ferlin Husky and Elvis Presley and Johnny Cash and Little Richard and uh, Fats Domino, all these, you know, all these, all these uh, crazy artists back in the day. So, see, here's how I get in trouble, Sam. This is this is how I get in trouble because I made mention of this once because you know, I mean, you know, there's you know, people. Here's a laundry list of people that you've opened for. All right, open for is fine, okay. But if you say, yeah, we shared the stage, really, okay. So on the banner, it was you know. David Allen Cove, you know, and you guys, or you guys and, I mean, was it side by side? You know, did you, mm-hmm. you know, no, you didn't, you know, were you on, did you play with, at the same time with him? <laughs> well, no. Well, then I'm, I'd have to say you probably weren't sharing shit at that point. <laughs> <sighs> That's how I get in trouble, Sam, because I made, you know, I had to say that at one point in time, because another way I get in trouble, I remember doing this once, that, um, oh, I put this ad on, Craigslist, mm. you know, bass player available. And, I mean, it was the most sarcastic thing. You know, it was like, you know, I, because I would see all these guys bragging about their pedal boards and whatnot, you know, and and this sort of thing. And, and, and you know, and people talking about sharing the stage with. And I said something like, you know, you know, you can hire me and, you know, I'll probably bring a bass and a chord. <laughs> Maybe an amp because, you know, I don't have time for any science projects and most of them don't even include a tuner. So, you know, that might be a problem, you know. And, and I'm like, you know, I've probably played with everyone you've ever heard of, but I'm not going to sit here and bore you with who I've, quote, unquote, shared the stage with because <laughs> that mere term is a, I mean, it was the most sarcastic thing, yeah. you know. And, and, you know, here's my email address. You can figure out who I am if you really want me to play that bad. My phone rang for three weeks. Oh, I was uh, you really? Yeah, because I mean, it was like, oh well, somebody like that. that that's probably Bruce because you know <sighs> he's like that. Yeah, yeah. My phone rang for like about three weeks straight. I you did, like, you did the thing that you do to get the hot girl. You act like you're not interested. Yeah, you're yeah, like, here it, I am, but whatever. I don't I'm care. Thinking so. <laughs> I, I'm thinking so. I'm thinking so. It was like you know, let me act as disinterested as, as yes! I possibly can. You know, there's no such thing as bad publicity other than if you misspell my name. <laughs> Right. Other than that, you know, it's all good. 
and it doesn't involve kids or nuns, you know, I think you're fine. <laughs> oh, that's wild, man. I've got to spend a whole lot of time in and outside of a green room with Bruce and share the stage a little bit. Share the you, stage? Yeah. He did share. No, in, in truest definition, he did share the stage. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yes. He played rhythm and some lead behind me at a show over in Jay, Oklahoma, and, I mean, made a fine showing of himself for, you know, Oh yeah, uh, anytime. Yeah, anytime he wants to come along, I'm all for it. Especially since we didn't have to pay him a cut. There was that that's too. right. Uh, you know, so well, Paul paid me. I, yeah. I went there. I I set up the whole the sound rig. I sound checked them, and then and then Paul comes up. And he was like, "Hey man, you know what? We uh, we did a show with Diamond Rio the day before, oh, and it was all day. Rio, we got stormed on setting up that stage. We got stormed on tearing down that stage." Uh, the day before that, we set up another stage, and it was a long weekend. And I think Western Justice was playing on a Sunday. It was like a Sunday night. It was night. Sunday it was evening. Like the off night uh, of the whole thing. At, at the pool things. stage, which is already the the stage is you know permanent. I went in, set up the speakers and everything, and and patched the band in and got them sound checked. And Paul was somewhere else, and he comes along after I got the band all dialed in, and he was like, "Dude, you can kick out if you want to." And I. <laughs> Had my guitar in the truck, and uh, I think I told Bruce and Jimmy, and they're like, "Bring it over and plug it in." We sat in with us, and, and yeah. man, I had a blast. It was so much fun. And well, he he saved our asses the other night as well because um, for out of eleven years, Night Train's been playing. Uh, we've only canceled like a couple shows, and our drummer. Uh, we I guess we scheduled this show, and not too long before our drummer realized, oh, I'm supposed to be in, like, Dallas or somewhere Ooh. doing something else. Well, I started my musical career playing career, whatever you call it, playing drums. I was a drummer first. Okay. And so I was like, well, I'll do the Don Henley thing, which we had done one other time. And so, uh, but the thing is, I play rhythm on, like, every song. Yeah. So Sam, then this was not that long ah, ago. Sam he, was from so he did double duty. He he sat in the sound booth running sound and lights and playing, playing rhythm. Rhythm. And while I sat behind the drums and sang and uh, by God we did it. We pulled it, it off. Was fun. Yeah. It was a blast. And before that, I think the show before that, you were on stage. That's with right. Us. Yeah. I was off that night and y'all just invited me up to mm -hmm. share the stage with you and you literally, you did share the stage. I did. No, in, that, stage. in that point, in that case, that's you know that's not an untruthful statement. Right. I was on the stage at the same time playing an instrument while they were also with, doing yes, that. with the band. Yes. Can I say that I shared the stage with Red Shahan because I think he was. I think for a brief moment I had stepped up on the stage from the stairs as he was stepping down. So we were on the stage at the same, same time. time. You passed each other. I get the feeling I'm going to regret every. I'm gonna, if this gets out too far, I'm. People I'm, oh, but I'm gonna become a pariah again, <laughs> again. I'm, oh. yeah, I'm used to it, but that's, that's all right. After these messages, we'll be right back. Extra, extra! Dawn of Mantis now has a merch store. There are T-shirts, long and short sleeve, as well as hoodies. Just go to dawnofmantis.com and click the T-shirt link. Dawn of Mantis is brought to you by Redbeard Sound. Redbeard Sound provides music production, audio editing, and live sound engineering, and is where Dawn of Mantis records our podcast. You can find Sam's information on our website, dawnofmantis.com, or at redbeardsound.com. Quiet your mind. This, I think you'll have fun with this one. All right. I've been playing music forever, but at first it was in our own band, and we were stupid, 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 because we had this weird attitude where we were like, we're only playing originals. No covers. Nobody wants to hear that shit. You know? No, wait, nobody. 
So anyway, for years, it wasn't until I was in Night Train that I was, you know, doing covers and made a dime. But anyway, having said all that, even just with Night Train, I've been playing 11 years and just, you know, I've seen some weird and crazy shit. Mm -hmm. Dude, in 30 years in 19 states, like... Just off the, what are like one or two of the crazier things that I see? I oh knew boy. right there. Oh boy. I knew that was, that was going to oh open a can of worms. Boy. Oh boy. <laughs> just take a pick, just randomly, because I know. I'm going to give you the PG portion of <laughs> this particular thing. Because uh, I'll tell you, the, I'll tell you the, the PG portion now because it's, it's interesting. Um, I was talking about that club called Alibis, all right? And the first acts that they actually had when they first opened were Rick Hancock and Bulletproof was the band I was with, opening for David Allen Coe, okay? And I didn't really know a whole lot about him other, you know, there's that certain outlaw persona because he mm -hmm. did some time and whatnot and different things. And plus, you know, just a lot of different things about him. He wrote He's a, a little racist, I've heard. <laughs> Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you, you listen to that one particular album. Yeah, yeah she ran yeah. off with, yes. Yes. All right. Ugh. Anyway, and I was, you know, still working in the court system at that point in time. So I'm, I'm walking through and I was representing the owner. So, you know, we were friends. And I go through one of the back offices and I'm, you know, suit and tie and coat and everything else. And I sit down and I was going to use the phone for something. And they're loading in for their sound check. And, you know, David Allen Coe comes walking in and, um, yeah, all right. I, but anyway, he just completely ignored me, which is fine. You know, so I go walking back through after that, and you look at his, I look at his band, and they're shaking hands because they just met. Do what now? They had just met. I mean, you know, there was like, I think the bass player may have done the previous tour with him, but the other guys, you know, I mean, they're doing their first shows. They're, I mean, you know, they had just met. They wow. weren't going to rehearse. It was going to, you know. You wow. Know, learn, you know, here's a list of songs to learn, but, you know. And the first thing that, you know, you'd notice is that this particular stage had like a four-foot-tall drum riser, all right? And the drummer was set off to the side of it. Hmm. And if he could have set that drummer out in the parking lot, he would have. <laughs> because he hates drummers. Because he had done acoustic shows for so long. When you do acoustic shows and you're one of the two instruments on the stage, you don't have to follow one, two, three, four. So, I mean, if he could have set this guy up in the parking lot, he would have. <laughs> and so instead of a drummer on the drum riser, he sets two Marshall half stacks and one of those gem guitars with the handle on it, like Steve High plays. Mm -hmm. And I think he may have had a Digitech whammy pedal. I'm not sure there was something like that. But I mean, and he turns this thing on and he can't understand why he's trying to play acoustic rhythms on it like he's an acoustic player. And he can't understand why this thing is squealing like yeah. two, like two cats fornicating. <laughs> he, you know, he and you know, and the sound man was one of my roommates at the time. Tell him like, you know, you got a Marshall half stack. You're playing a metal rig. You right. can't be an acoustic guitar player. You dumb shit. You know, and <laughs> that almost queered the entire show right there. Wow. And you know, because like these guys, like they said, they're shaking hands because they just met. And you know, he would start off playing a song. He would do a verse and a chorus. And then he would just like kind of morph into another song. It was like a, trying to be like an hour medley, you know. There's another song I played, change voice country music, and he would morph. So there, every two and a half minutes or so, there's this train wreck of the rest of the guys trying to figure out where the hell he's going next and what key and whatnot. You know, and these are seasoned players, but still, you you can't tell with them. I mean, as long as you can see, I mean, I, you know, I can go along with any guitar player if I can see their left hand for a little bit. I mean, I know, right. know just enough about playing guitar to do that, but I mean. You know, if you're playing a song G, C, D, and then it's going to go to some other key or something like that, and a different song and a different rhythm, 
imagine that for like 75 right, minutes. Right, yeah. And, you know, and you're listening to guitar players and whatnot trying to figure out where to go. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it, it, it was just something else. Although, here was one of the things is that, I mean, it was part of his, you know, merch table. He had all kinds of overpriced stuff. But he had this one book talking about if you're ever in prison, you know, what, how you should spend your time in prison, you know, plan for getting out, you know, have your parole plan. I mean, it was a great book. I bought a few copies and would give them to, you know, clients and whatnot because it's like, you know, well, you know, you're going to be on parole soon, so here, I want to read up. I mean, it was really good book. That's so well because, okay, two things. First off, I think uh, people listening, keep in mind, because I even forget, as we've been talking about this, you're like in court by day. Yes. You know, leather briefcase, that whole nine yards, and then you're in smoky bar rooms by night playing bass for these beer-slinging country bands. True. With long-haired, blonde, yeah. mullet Ish. Yeah. Yes, mullet ish. Well, not anymore. Although you know, I have a daughter that would probably she still calls it a mullet. I'm like, it covers my ears. By definition, it's not a mullet. It is right. not. No, no it it's is not, not now. But back in the day, I, I believe it. Yeah, yeah, there's, was, right? yeah. There's plenty of photographs of yeah. me, you know, mulleted. Oh, oh yes. And and I don't know if you've seen pictures of me recently. You know, playing ricochet shows. Uh huh. I mean, I, I I wear a suit. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, I wear a suit. And you does, know. does the whole band? Does the no, whole band? no, no. <laughs> They're you know. It's, you know, I mean, Heath, you know, the guy in the middle, he's a starch cowboy. Okay. And that's part of the whole thing. It's like, okay. you know, because I certainly do not look like any prototypical country player. <laughs> I mean, you know, no matter what I'm wearing. Right. You know, and <laughs> so, because part of the Ricochet show, there's a middle section where, you know, it's like, well, the band took a vote and they all want to sing one. You know, and it's like, you know, and I put that vote to rest, but, you know, they kind of overruled me. So, you know, I, as long as I sing a classic country song... I, it's a fine by me. Well, then he turns the key. How about you? I'll, hear the key, you know, I'll you start it off. Steppenwolf. Well, yeah, exactly. He'll sing, you know, like keyboard player will do Rocket Man. Okay. And then he'll turn around to Larry Height and he'll do Drift Away. Yeah. Uh, like and then we'll make fun fantastic of Fantastic version of it. Yes. And then we'll make fun of, we'll make fun of Larry, you know, picking up Larry from the Springdale nursing home and whatnot, right. you know, and, yeah. you know, and he's just waiting for the, for pudding time. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. And then he'll turn over and look at me, and he's like, oh, I'm sure you got a classic country song. And here I am with all this hair, wearing a suit. I'm like, you taking a good look at me lately? Yeah. You know, and I'll be born to be wild. Right. But I used to wear, like, the pirate shirts and had these boots right. with skull and crossbones on yep. it. It's like, you know, make fun of the boots, which is fine with me. <laughs> and, then, and then Chris, the drummer, will do Play That Funky Music White okay. Boy. Oh, nice. Into Ice Ice Baby. <laughs> Into Whoop, there it is. Okay. Wow. And he plays drums and raps every bit of it to the T. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah, Chris, something else. But, <laughs> but yeah, I've been, you know, doing the suit thing here for a while. Yeah. And actually, I enjoy that. I bought a genuine zoot suit. I mean, we're talking, you know, big, baggy, black with white pinstripes. That is awesome. With some uh, two tone leather shoes. <laughs> And some of his other uh, wardrobe that I mentioned earlier is the hockey jersey. Yes. How many of those do you have in your closet? Well, here's the funny part about that, because I was just talking, I have a son who's, uh, he played a year of college hockey as well. I mean, he was far better than me. I mean, and so I gave a lot of those to him. Okay. Okay. Now I used to wear those all the time. Yeah, I used to wear those all the time yeah. because if you were around during the seventies and you watched Triumph, yeah. their bass player always wore that Maple Leafs jersey. And then, you know, you'd see a lot of guys where they would get like the, you know, anytime they go through Philadelphia, they would get the Flyers jersey, which, you know, okay. And I was hoping, you know, at some point in time, you know, maybe I'd get famous enough to where, you know, you go to these cities and get, had never happened. <laughs> but, you know, I would buy hockey. You know, I played two years of college and, I mean, at IU, but it was kind of like a club sport back then. Sure. You know, I mean, wasn't quite the same, but it was, you know, a lot of fun. 
And um, and then when they opened up the Jones Center here a while back, I played for a few years oh, until okay. you know age and gravity took over. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but um, speaking of podcasts, my son has one that's called Drop the Gloves. Okay. Because he's one of the broadcasters of the Razorback hockey team. Oh, I mean, wicked. I mean, it's all you know streamed on YouTube and sure. whatnot. But you know, he's one of the broadcasters of it. So he inherited your voice. No, 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 no. I mean, it's funny because. I mean, we're, we're not bloody. I mean, it's, it's adopted. Okay. 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 But you know, you, if you if you sat him here next to me, I mean, he doesn't look anything. Like, well, I mean, people think he looks like a short-haired version of me, and he doesn't have my radio voice. But let's just say he has my rapier wit. <laughs> I mean, it's just like you know, Savage Department Randy Collin. He just he, he's just bad. I mean, okay. it's like let me give you an example. This is a good story because he has a sister named Whitney, his older sister, my daughter, my oldest. They were like maybe six, seven years old. They're like 18 months apart. And um, we're driving to Branson once and Whitney looks out the window and see the sign for Whitney Mountain. And she's like, I'm so famous, they named a mountain after me. <laughs> and without missing a beat, Gory's like, yeah, I'll bet there's a lot of goats on it. <laughs> I, I, and she started, I mean, she, and I'm just, I'm like, I'm like spit taking, weaving in the highway of that one. And she's like, you're really, you know, she's crying at that point. She's like, you're laughing at it. I'm like, come up with better material, dear. You know, I mean, <sighs> but anyway, yeah, he does the broadcasts for the, the Razorback hockey team. And he had me, he had me on one weekend to do color for him. Oh, cool. So I gave Wicked. Him, oh, it, so it was cool. fun. It was fun. Cause I, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd never done that type of thing before, you know, sports broadcasting. I mean, when, when I was in high school, I would be like the, PA guy for the the baseball team, you know. Now batting for sure. Penn High School. So oh, I could hear that. that yeah. Kind of yeah, thing. yeah. But you know, I, I had to do color with him, and I, of course, you know, I'm, you know, I, and I'm competent enough to be able to do that sort of thing. But you know, my goal was to try and make him laugh the entire time, <laughs> and you know, and so because he's like, I'm just getting kicks and nudges, like just, yeah, he's laughing, <laughs> you know, fun stuff. But yeah, he. And they started doing a, pro, a podcast, you know, kind of a sports-related podcast, him and a friend. And then, of course, you know, they had me on there once. And it was just, I mean, I was like the, the grouchy old man. You know, it's like, <laughs> well, who do you think is going to win this division? You know, like, you know, ah, so-and-so. Who's, what do you think? And they're like, what about you? And I'm like, you know, both of you are idiots. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. You know, and here's why you're both idiots. And, you know, and it just, you know, have me on there just to be, you know, I stopped it the whole time. No, I like, remember when Gretzky was king. Yeah, screw like, you guys. Yeah, you guys. No, but you know what? Kudos to you, man. For I'm adopted myself, so I have a little yeah. bit of a soft spot. Plus, I'm uh, my wife and I are, are, are raising a little girl who uh-huh. we did not birth. You know what I mean? So I have a, a little bit of a soft spot in my. But one thing uh, that and, I get with with my daughter though, she just turned four. I'm only 41, but apparently I look 90 because several times I'll you know I'm carrying her and I'll go into some store and. And I'll get her a little candy bar and someone, you know, the clerk will be like, is grandpa, you having fun with grandpa today? And I'm like, she's having fun with dad today. You know, I was like, apparently I look like father time or something because all these people think this child is my granddaughter. Oh, I have. That's (laughs) crazy. I have 10 grandchildren. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. I mean, you you know, my... I'm on wife number three, and she, yeah. Um, Congratulations. She, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, it was just so good the first few times, I just had to do it again. There you and, go. And, uh, no, but, uh, you know, she has two stepdaughters that, you know, are, I'm as close to as any of my children. And, you know, they've got three kids, and then my daughter has two, and my son has three. Well, you see, and we, we had a you know a couple that aren't with us anymore, but that's another kettle of fish. But anyway, there's, you know, but grandkids are great. Oh, I can, yeah. oh yeah, because oh you're you're crying. Oh you're poopy. There you go. go <laughs> oh yeah, 
you know, and I can always say, you know, yeah, keep messing with me, kid, or you're gonna, you're gonna go home with, you know, a, a drum kit, some sugar cereal, and a puppy. Yeah. <laughs> and um, oh yeah. So yeah, that's loads of fun too. So. Well, you, you seem like the type of guy that if someone doesn't get along with you, it's probably on their end, right? I oh mean, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah that's there's gathered. a lot to it. Yeah, but yeah, I'm an acquired taste, I'm sure. So no, no, no. I've always got this weird fear, even driving over here, like it was just just a, a cold meeting. I always oh. have this weird fear that someone's gonna hate me on sight. Really? Yeah, just like walk in, and you see me, and you're like, this joke? This joke? No. Yeah, that's, it's called imposter syndrome. It sucks ah. to live with. But anyway, yeah, so like, yeah. You're, you're, somebody you're, smarter than me a long time ago said, you know, whatever, pe- whatever, whatever other people think of me is none of my business. That's very true. And I was like, wow. I mean, I try my best to you know, abide by that because, oh, yeah. you know, there's a certain local artist who uh, was talking about he's getting some haters and whatnot. You know, and I said, you know, first of all, whatever people, what other people think of you is none of your business. And also, you know, there's no such thing as bad publicity. Just make sure they spell your name right. Right. <laughs> you know, there's there's that, you know. And, um, you know, it's like, and I'm like, I was like, you know, for every person that likes you, there's going to be one that doesn't know who you are. One that just hates you, hates what you do. One that hates you personally. So, you know. Yeah. And, and that's at least. So yeah. the best you can hope for is one out of every four. And you're probably not going to get that. <laughs> I remember when I read our first scathing review about our podcast, what's funny was it made me laugh because it was completely true. It it, it went to something to the effect of uh, these guys lost me in the first five minutes. It was terrible. They were making dad jokes and fart jokes and it was imbecile and stupid unsubscribe or something like that. And I was like, yeah, that's in other words, we're just not for you. You know, it's like, that's what we are. I don't go to a podcast where maybe it's like, I don't know women talking about how their foray into womanhood and what was it like with your first cycle? I don't go on there and say this is stupid. I don't yeah. like it. Well, then no, turn it's the, just not for me. Turn the knob, Karen. <laughs> you know that's. I mean, come on. It's, but it's funny that every every criticism that he had of us was like a hundred percent. Like, yeah, you're pretty much right. Oh man, yeah. It's, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, you know, we had this dealing with her at work with, you know, a, I'll just say a, 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 a female attorney. I don't need to mention any names, but I didn't know who she was, you know, and I, I look at her, looked at her picture and it was just like, I'm sure she probably asks for the manager of every <laughs> restaurant she ever goes into. I'm like, man, I'm just like saying, you know, we, we might want to, you know, we want to, I want to hire up for this one because she's, she's going to be mean, you know, because I can imagine going to dinner with her. It's like, you know, it's going to be like that girl in waiting, you know, I asked for this, you know, and, and her steak's going to come back, you know. Is, it, is the old thing true? And I've heard this so many times where, because uh, I've heard it so many, even my, I think my, my old man told me that before, uh, you know, in court, the defense and the prosecution, ah, they're at each other's throats and stuff, but they go have lunch together. They're well, pals. Well, I mean, yeah, there's certainly some of that because you see the same faces each time. And, you know, there, there has to be a certain, to do that job correctly, there has to be a certain emotional detachment to it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, which, you know, it's kind of like, why, you know, I caught all kinds of hell, given my opinion regarding the Rittenhouse case, because I'm able to detach myself emotionally from looking at this. You know, it's like, oh, you know, that judge, this, that, and the other. And I'm like, no, the judge kind of did this. Yeah, that's why he did this. You know, well, then you must be a Nazi. Right. Well, yeah. well okay. Yeah. Yes. I what mean, you're saying is you have to remove any personal bias or personal skin in the game yes, and exactly. just look at the cold hard, like almost cold, like a computer facts. plugging in data, right? Yes. It's just like, this is what I see. This is what, yeah. I, yes. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, with that case, it's, it was going to be impossible just because of the current social climate. 
absolutely impossible. Well, but, it was politicized. You know, it was it was used. It was ramped up. You know, oh, yeah. by certain folks to just politicize it and for their own gain and this and that. And, oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, and oh yeah, I caught all kinds of grief just for you know, telling people, look, there's here's why things happen the way they happened, and trying to explain it. You know complex legal things and as simple as I can possibly well, put it. Chris Christie was on Bill Maher's show and uh, uh, I don't remember who the other gentleman was but uh, Bill Maher was trying to get him to fight over that verdict mm-hmm. and uh, Chris Christie I'm not I, I, I'm neutral on him I have no yeah. feelings whatsoever I don't even really know who he is I know he's a politician but uh, he had said that they got it correct and so everybody was I guess getting up his ass about it and he yeah. said no 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 he said what's funny is he said verbatim what you said he said no remove yourself and just look at it from a, a law stance and that was the only thing they could literally do and you, you know, know here's the thing and this is true like even you know people talk about the like the oj verdict even just just to pick something out you're watching it on tv we're watching rittenhouse on tv a lot of the things that we're seeing on tv those 12 people in the box may not be seeing. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, we know of certain pieces of evidence, you know, in both of those cases, just an example, that we know about them, but that jury's not going to see it. Right. And not going to have that for consideration. Yeah. Do you think that was the case with uh, Casey Anthony? Because, man, I remember when that verdict came down, I was just like... You know, I, I don't know. Maybe, uh, I don't know. That was just a, a mind screw. Nice girl, but probably not going to hire her as a babysitter. <laughs> <laughs> you know? She looks like she can party, but, man, you know, she ain't going to be babysitting the grandkids anytime soon. I'm no, if she, if she loses your kid, she won't say she anything won't say for anything 30 for, days. Yeah. I've, <laughs> man. I, you know, I don't know how they got from point A to point B on that. I, mean, I don't either. I mean, I don't, I don't know how you could. But, you know, then again, there might be things that, you know, we saw that they didn't, you know, the jury didn't see. True, yeah. Because there's, you know, there's some things that we might think is relevant evidence, for example, that's not. You know, yeah. just like, oh, here's a picture of Rittenhouse in a bar with a bunch of Proud Boys. What's that got to do with anything? Right, yeah. Well, because he must be a racist. <laughs> yeah, but the FBI went through his phone and his social media history and found nothing else. Right. So... No, so that's probably not going to be considered. Well, the bar is set for being a racist so low to, I mean, yes. what is, anyone's a racist. Uh, Candace Owen, who's as black as that guitar, yes. is called a white supremacist. White, pres- white supremacist. <laughs> yes. So there you go. I don't, uh. Well, and here's the other thing that's, you know, different also is that, you know, I mean, I don't know if you saw, did you see the, see the picture where I met the guy from Blazing Saddles? Oh, which one? The guy, the main guy. The, no, no, the the one cowboy. What was his name in the movie? I can't remember his name in the movie, but he was the one like, you know, no, he just sing us one of them end work songs, you know, like Camp Town Ladies. Oh, that, that guy. No oh. way. That guy. His name's Bert. Yeah, I, there's a picture. Well, okay. shoot, my Facebook page isn't up anymore, but um, yeah, I had a picture with him, and um, and it's and it, yeah, he was the guy, that guy, and and it was funny was that you know he he literally went to Burton Gilliam. 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 And he literally was like, he almost did not do that role because of those lines. Oh. And he went to Cleavon Little. It was like, you know, it was like apologizing to him. And, you know, Little was like, you know, look, it's in the script. You know, it's it's funny. It's part of the movie. I don't, you know, didn't take anything away from it. You right. Know, it kind of makes the people that use that look dumber than, you know. True. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, you couldn't release that movie today. It's oh, like that, hell no. Oh, no. I always said it would be five minutes long. Yeah, that edited version. Yeah. Of, oh, yeah. yeah. If yeah that. It's like tonight, the edited version of Blazing yeah. Saddles starting at 8 o'clock. Yeah. It'll be done at 8.07. Yeah. Yeah. But thank God for that movie. But, you know, think about this. It's like, you know, Richard Pryor. Mm-hmm. Eddie Murphy. 
Oh, Especially yeah. Especially when he starts talking about, you know, gay people. Yeah. It's like, you could not get away with that today. No. You know, I got to see Sam Kinison when he was first breaking oh. out live when I was at Indiana University. Oh, my God. And Oh, yeah. And some of the stuff that, you know. That guy was a monster. And this a is, cocaine-fueled madman. Well, man. yeah. And this is before, you know, this is when he had the... When he was wearing the, the the gray trench coat, as opposed to, you know, then he switched over to black, you know, yeah. later on Did when he got more money. The Did he have the bray? Oh, that yeah, time? he still had the, yeah, he still had the hat. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, it, it was before, he probably found a higher grade of cocaine later on, but he was still manic. And, you know, and he was telling jokes about, you know... Yeah, you know, there's a, you know, there's a story about you know s- sex in the morgue with corpses and what. Oh, you dude, know, and he tells he goes in that routine and like life screws you after you're dead. Yeah, and it's like you couldn't get away with that today. And that guy used to be a preacher. Yeah, yes, yeah. I think his brother's still his brother's still alive. Lives over, he's from Tulsa. <sighs> he used to yeah. is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his brother lives over there. Bill. Well, who's not from here? Then literally everyone we've more talked than to, you think is from around crazy. here. I'm coming to find out. But. Um, Rogan was talking about Kinnison one time, and this may be common knowledge, but I didn't know it. Apparently, Kinnison had had some kind of like crazy head injury. That may have been, and I, that I was the catalyst. Know. Like that changed him from preacher to madman. Hmm. Now that might not be right, but that's what. If Rogan said it, it must be right. If Rogan so. said it, it must be true. That's right. All hell, King Joe. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Sam Kennison's buried in Tulsa. He's at Memorial Park Cemetery. Dude, yeah. we could drive to his grave in an hour. Yes, That's bananas. Yeah, we could. yeah. Well, we, we would exploit several speed limits to do that. But, <laughs> but that could be. That could happen. True. You're right. Yeah. He was only 38 when he died. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. I you thought know, he was older than that. Well, you know. Well, yeah, the, the drug. cocaine's a hell of a drug, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Quote that great American poet, Rick James. That's true. That's what's weird, and and so, and I can ask your opinion on this because you're in this walk. You're a little, you're a little further ahead of us. I'm at that stage now where like everybody's younger than me. Like I go to my doctor, I go to like uh, professional people, even you know that I'm like, whoa, you're not supposed to be younger than I am. That and there I found out that like, yeah, I'm three years older than Kinnison was when he died. I'm several years older than Bill Hicks was when he died. You know, oh I'm man, twenty years older than so and so was when he died. And he's from Little Rock. <laughs> Hicks. Really? Yes. Oh, I know. I knew that. Yes. I think he's buried there. He's too. buried. Well, I don't know if he's from there, but he's buried there. I don't know. I yeah. Mean, he went there and died there. Basically, yeah. his parents lived there. That's right? it. That's it. When he had cancer, he he spent his last few weeks in Arkansas. Oh, and he's an absolute genius. Oh, I for mean, sure. Loved him. Bill loved Hicks him. is amazing. Uh, yeah. It's oh, a, yeah. That's a shame. And uh, yeah, and there's a video out there of because Letterman banned him, you know, and like yep. cut a routine and whatnot. And Letterman came back like later with Hicks's mom and just I apologized. Saw and I'm just like, and he played the clip that he cut and played the clip that he cut, and it was like. Wow, you know, and it was so weird because Letterman was like, "I apologize," because at the time I felt like it was too, and it was not. It was, yeah. I mean, well, he he waited until the point where all that stuff that was like, (gasps) you know, let's clutch some pearls. Now it's like, ah, no big deal now, right? But oh yeah, oh don't get me started in comedians. Jeez, oh me too. Oh I know, because yeah. I mean, you know, okay, I'll hail Dave Chappelle, you know. He's too big to cancel, thankfully. Too big, yeah, too big to cancel. They tried, they failed. They, yes, You know, exactly. after that last special came out, they were like, oh, we're, d- this new, you know, incendiary really, and it's like, no, it's not. It's hilarious. Everyone came to his defense. It's like, Dave can say whatever he wants. And, of course, they took what little he said out of context. Oh, yeah. And tried, that's what they do. Absolutely. That's what they have to do. But. Yeah, and it's like, I live over in Lowell, and I'm a mile or so up the street from The Grove, Oh, yeah. And, I mean, I've only been in that building once. I know. I just sent him a picture. Chris Tucker is going to be there. Yeah. Like, yep. Yep. Yeah. And I think. Next week. 
Yeah, it's like he's doing three three days, like yeah. one week or so before Christmas. Yeah. Like three nights. I mean, I'm sure they're shelling out big for that. Oh, they've yeah. already had they've had Jim Brewer in there. They've oh. had uh, the Lovitz. John Lovitz, yep. yep. Um, uh, I went and saw Dusty Slay. He's not a legend oh, yet, yeah, but, but he will be. Yeah. And it's like, they're, they're booking some heavy hitters in there. I hope, I mean, I hope they stay afloat. I, I do, mean, too. Because it's not that big of a, a building. So, I mean, it's like, what, you got to charge 200 bucks a ticket for... I didn't pay that much for Dusty Slay. It was like twenty bucks or something. It was not much. Rob Schneider, they, yeah, you know, like a lot of old those, SNL folks. All those SNL people from you know the old school were mm -hmm. there. Now they're having Chris Tucker in there. Uh, Chris Titus was there too, I believe. Christopher, Christopher Titus, mm -hmm. yeah, he was there not too long ago. So really, yeah, yeah. Boy, he's a different kind of comedy. He yes. is. I like him though. I like. But he is. I different. worked a show with him. Oh, you did? Yeah. Was it at uh, for the? Casino? Yeah, at the casino. Okay. Is he a cool guy? Yeah, he was fine. Okay. It was all right. He yeah. seems like he would be very, I don't know, hot or cold, like depending on if he liked you or not. I don't know why. I just get that vibe. Probably. He was pleasant. We need to have you back on for just uh, like, I mean, I mean, there's several avenues we didn't even touch. Yeah, like we, the need, to, we need to have and, you back when Ivan's here. You'd um, love Ivan. Yeah, yeah, dude. Oh, man. And he was bummed out, too, because he had a whole shit pot of questions, yeah. too, that he had. Well, a wise man once said, as sure as Dolly Parton sleeps, sleeps on, on her back. back. <laughs> I'll be back for another show. Yeah. Or as she as, 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 as a one-legged one duck swims in a circle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I like the dolly part. When or yeah. This is the best one. As sure as a duck with a boner drags weeds. <laughs> yeah, I'm saving that one for you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh my god! I didn't, even, I didn't even get to my best joke of all because we, you know, we were talking about porn earlier, and it's like one of the best jokes I'd had lately was like when you get to my age. You you only get excited during a porn flick when they deliver the pizza. <laughs> it's like, is that pepperoni? Oh my god! god look at that deep crust. Oh my god! It's a thin crust. <laughs> oh my god! I feel like we we just there was a lot of avenues we barely touched. Well, you know, you've seen icebergs, you know, <laughs> and we, we haven't even, we haven't even dipped a toe in the water yet. We have not. I feel I feel like there's so much more, but we'll we'll have you back. We'll have for you sure, back. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, Bruce, thank you so much for being on. My pleasure. It was a blast, Sam. Are we good, man? We're good. You know, like I guess he hit my DMs enough times on Facebook for me to finally go. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, Come I, on. I, I did. I, I I harassed my way into this gig. I did. You know, I was trying to say, yeah, Sam was so kind enough. And I'm like, yeah, they don't know the whole story. I've been bugging him for, you know, bugging him for months. We well, just this. had to wait for the right time. Yeah, that's just, well, just like y'all did, you know, y'all worked with Saving Able a while back. Yes, we And did. I had just, you know, gone to a show of theirs in Branson. Okay. And uh, and I'd known him all before. We'd done a show with him, you know, a few years earlier. So I kind of knew a lot of the guys. So, you know, I got the, in Branson, I was able to get the backstage thing and whatnot. And I knew they were going to be, I'm like, oh, you guys are heading to Jay to do one of those Mid-American mm -hmm. things. It's like, yeah. It's like, so you're going to see Paul and Sam. That's and, right. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, be sure to kick Paul in the junk when you see him. <laughs> I said, stay close to Sam because he's going to make you sound good. Paul's just the figurehead. Kick him in the junk. Yeah. 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 And I, I, I don't know if Scotty went there. Oh, Scotty, and, he did. Well, he didn't, he didn't kick. I, all I saw, I saw him. I was like, you're Scotty, right? And he was like, yeah. I was like, so, you know, Bruce Bennett. And he was like, yeah. Uh, and so I was like, okay, well, he sent you a message just to let you know, I'm not Paul. So don't <laughs> kick me in the junk. <laughs> <laughs> So Paul has dramatically less hair than you. He does. Oh man. Oh yes. <laughs> and personality. <laughs> and sound talent and social skills. And I don't know. Are I you keep going in this? In? I'll leave it in. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Oh, please. <laughs> All right, man. Well, Bruce, we will talk to you next time. We're gonna be back. And uh 
Uh, Ivan, we hope you get to feeling better. Yeah. You will. You'll be back on board with us next time. And thank you for listening, everybody. Good night. Let me tell you about some fellas I know named Ivan, Sam, and Joe. They got themselves a little podcast, you know. And they talk about everything under the sun that they find interesting, spooky, or fun. And they sure ain't trying to impress no one. Remedy to too much time on your answers. Take a little listen to the dawn of Manti. They talk about killers, monsters, and cults. French mates from hell, disappeared folks. Occasionally throw in a few dad jokes. They try to make every story extra nice. By adding their own ginger spice Not one time or two, but thrice right, 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 right. The remedy to too much time on your hands is Take a little listen to the dawn of Manti Now I'm sure these fellas will be around for quite a spell Cause there sure ain't no shortage of stories to tell this old world's as weird as hell. But hell, even if nobody listened, you know they'd maintain a fine disposition. Cause shooting the breeze is kind of their mission. Remedy to too much time on your hands is take a little listen to the dawn of Manti. Too much time on your answers. Take a little listen to the dawn of Manti.